Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. All right, let's get going here. The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. You can text us at 936-6262. It's our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group and all our guests, and we always have many on the Western Pizza Hotline. Check your local Western Pizza for their dine-in takeout specials. I am Michael Ball, along with great Sean Kleisinger across the board. From me, lots to get to in the world of sports, like the Argos have signed head coach Ryan Dinwiddie to a multi-year extension in his third season as the Argos coach. Won the Grey Cup last year. Remember when everybody thought, oh, Mike O'Shea doesn't have a deal. Maybe he'll go back and be the coach of the Argos because, you know, Ontario guy and uh, former Argo great, but no, Ryan Dinwiddie, the only uh, coach who's undefeated right now in the CFL, former Rough Rider quarterback, former Blue Bomber quarterback. Um, we could thank Ryan Dinwiddie for being a quarterback with inexperience to help the Rough Riders win the 2007 Great Cup. So I've always had a special three, three picks, I think. Yeah, special. Like yeah, the James the, Johnson, James Johnson, special. Our own version of Larry Brown from the Cowboys in that '95 Super Bowl when he picked off. Uh, what's his name? Neil O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Red Blacks have added a pair of quarterbacks following the injury that ended the year to Jeremiah Masoli. Tyrell Pigram, who is a phenom in preseason and was on the roster for her first couple of games with the Blue Bombers, now in Ottawa. And also, it was uh, it's Dunaway joining the team as well. Jake Dunaway, 23, spent three seasons at Sacramento State, the old school of Ricky, Ricky Ray. Ray. 2022, <laughs> he threw for 2,412 yards, 186 for 315, 19 touchdowns, 15 picks. So um, the Ottawa Red Blacks trying to get some enforcement, reinforcements in there. Um, I want to see Pegram in action. I want them to start him. Apparently, McLeod Bethel-Thompson uh, has been re- uh, approached by Ottawa, but he... Hasn't said yes or no, so who knows? I'd be very surprised. I would be too. I would be too, but... He peaced out for the reason we just talked about last or yesterday. Yeah, he wanted to be closer to his wife who works for Pixar in Atlanta. Young family. I have a tough time believing that he'd come back to play for Ottawa when he could have just returned to Toronto and had a good chance of winning the Grey Cup once again. So there you go. We'll find out what happens there. Rough Riders were on the practice field. In fact, uh, Blaine Weiland have some audio from practice for us. We had the coach on yesterday saying there would be no Godbert practice. There'd be no Roland Milligan at practice. Do we have an injury update there yet? I didn't uh, see it yet. As of right now, we uh, do not. It usually comes out uh, right away here. Yeah, right away. Brett Lawther also wasn't at practice today. Looks like he won't be playing. That's why they... 
Oh, sign that's why that they guy. brought the kicker, yeah. Mr. Fair. Fair, Campbell Fair. Apparently he looks really young, like, you know, his face, Blaine oh, Wyland. He was like, man, he looks so young. Just a young guy. So <laughs> yeah. riders have some more injuries. With the, Can we just be done with injuries? Can no, we just be done with injuries? Hey, I want to give a shout-out to, uh, you know, I, I got into it recently with um, the – sewer pipe that is Twitter and fans on there about they were trying to cancel Marino after the Masoli injury on a different leg and then somehow Simone Lawrence got looped in and then we went back and forth and then he was um, calling out my son again for no reason Um, I decided to back away from that and today really put things in perspective for me one of my old Regina Ram teammates who is two years older than me Passed away yesterday. Tom McCallum used to be an O-line coach with the Rams. He was a Regina Ram junior football player. Had a cup of coffee with both the Rough Riders and Calgary Stampeders on the offensive line. And last was a principal, I believe, at Belgoni Greenall School, if I'm not mistaken. He's battling cancer and just got clear that he was cancer-free or that it was in remission. And he had a heart attack yesterday and died at the age of 52. So that puts a lot of things in perspective in terms of getting dragged into the quagmire that is stupid arguments and things. And hey, I was a willing participant. I jumped in because I didn't like people canceling Marino. And then Simone Lawrence comes in and gets after it. And I was just like, I get sucked in. I'm not going to lie to you. I get sucked in. And then you, you actually talk me off the ledge sometimes. And then this is kind of really sobering. At the end of the day, you're not going to please everybody. Those little stupid altercations don't matter. And so thanks for uh, walking me back there a little bit. But I just wanted to, I just want to remember Tom McCallum. He's a great guy, a super friend, cared about a lot of people, was a good educator, good football coach. It's funny. A lot of teachers just morph right into being good sports coaches, and he was one of those. And was he on the 1993 team with you? Uh, or I, I guess he I might have not have. If he was a little older, he's a couple years older than me. I think he had just. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, he may have been. That might have been his last year. Might have been his. I'd have to look that up. But he was definitely a mainstay in the offensive line for the Rams. And like I said, then went to the Riders and the Calgary Stampeders for a cup of coffee. But uh, yeah, Tom McCallum passing away at 52. So my thoughts and prayers to his family. He's got a couple of daughters, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, yeah, that's a tough one, man, for sure. Um, okay, Zinger. Uh, he listened to the show, so he'd want us to get right down to it. So let's get going here. Let's fire this up here. Here we go. Show's been off to a hot start this week. Really good start this week with um, texts and calls. So we got Pick the Score. We're going to start the show with Pick the Score, okay? Let's go. Sastel, Pick the Score. So here's what happens. You call in right now at 936-6262 or toll-free 1-866-767-0620. You tell us the score of the game coming up here. On Saturday, Riders and the Stampeders. If you, if we pick you, you'll get tickets to a Rider game automatically. Plus, plus, if you're closest to picking the score for the week, you get a $200 gift card to Sastel and a sweet experience. A sweet, sweet experience, as I like to say. Sweet, S-W-E-E-T. Sweet, S-U-I-T-E. Because you and three others will go to a Rider game next year in a luxurious suite. So there you go. The sweet, sweet deal. 
It's Sastel pick the score. Zinger pick somebody. We'll do it on the fly. I'm always worried about that, but let's go with this right Let's roll. Who's this? Hello? Oh, we don't got him yet. Hello? Hi. Hi, who's this? Deb Wallace. Deb, when's the last time you won here on 620 CKRM? Years. Year? Like a long time ago? Years. 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 Yeah. You don't even sound like you could be that old, so I'm going to call oh, you. Yeah, I'm, I am. I'm going to call you a liar, Deb. Uh, I do that <laughs> respectfully. Okay, Deb, Ryder Stampeders on Saturday. What's your score? 27-14 uh, for, for the Riders. For the Riders. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of people are like, you think the Riders can win again? It's, well, they won in Calgary, and they had them down by 10 with like five and a half minutes to go and couldn't finish it off, had to go to overtime. I don't mind that score, Deb. How are you feeling about your 3-1 and one Rough Riders so far? You know, um, you know what? Whether it's a ugly win or a, or a nice pretty one, it's still a win. Yeah. So I think they're coming together. Yeah, and uh, I like how I like what I see. Were you uh, were you uh, at the game on uh, the last game? No, I was watching. Okay, and and were you mad? Were you swearing at the TV for fifty eight minutes? <laughs> no comment. Yeah, you were because half the stadium was too. Don't worry, you weren't in the minority there. Okay, well, I so I wasn't one of these people that walked away the last couple of minutes because you know what? CFL it comes right down to the last few seconds. It's a fifty. So, it's yep. a fifty-seven minute, three minute uh, game for sure. First fifty-seven minutes don't matter in a lot of cases. So hold on a second here. We're gonna do a little uh, housekeeping live on the air. It's not very professional. Just hang on, Deb. So okay. does she get two tickets to this game or a following game, Zinger? This game. So you get to go to this game. Okay, so you're right. going to this game. You have to come down to the corner of 12th and Rose and get your tickets, bring some valid ID. And uh, and then what happens is if you're the closest to picking the exact score, 27-14, you picked it, right, Deb? Yeah. Okay, if the Rough Riders win by that score or close to it, you're the closest and you're picked for the week, you'll have an opportunity to win the, well, you get $200 gift card to Sastel, and you'll have an opportunity next year to go to a game with three others in a suite. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? That would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet. Exactly. Thanks for listening. Uh, hang, on the, hang on the phone. We're going to get some information from you, okay? Please don't go anywhere. Thanks. All no, right. No problem. Thank All right. You. So that's Deb Wallace. Another. We're like McDonald's. Another satisfied customer here. Yeah. Uh, just loving it. Is it? <laughs> no, that's not McDonald's. That's not McDonald's. Was that McDonald's? I don't even know. I'm loving it. Was it McDonald's? Are they sponsoring? Oh, uh, they're not, no, spo- they're no, not sponsoring. No, they're not sponsoring. Anyway, uh, <laughs> 936- 6262, the number to text. Here's what I want you to do. You ask, we answer. Any question that we can air, that we deem worthy to be aired, we will try to answer the question for you a couple of times during the show. So 936-6262, a segment we call You Ask and We Answer. Uh, When we come back, Pete Pasco, the host of our Halftime Huddle, will join us. And uh, we'll also uh, maybe get to some of these questions. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Sports Cage. It's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery's main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups in the province. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And I'm joined now by a guy who hosts our halftime huddle on our home game broadcast and is the longtime host of Locker Talk in... Uh, Regina and surrounding area on Access Now Sports. It's Pete Pasco. Hi, Pete. Hello, Michael. How are you? Good, man. Hey, uh, thumbs up. Looks like uh, you're like you do so many things. You're clearing another hurdle with cancer. That's awesome, buddy. Yeah, the latest uh, scan said go on with your life. So well, that's what I'm going to do, and <laughs> go back in three months, and hopefully that's still the case. Hey, are you playing tennis? You're one of the few guys I know that's always been an avid tennis guy. I'm just about ready to get back out there, actually. I'm trying to hook myself up for a tennis lesson because Lord knows those coaches are doing well with the junior players. Let's see how they do with an old guy. And let's talk about that because you do cover local sports. There's only one other guy that covers local sports as much as me or more, and that would be Pete Pasco. Keegan Rice at Wimbledon. Talk about that, the Regina kid. Man, 17 years old. He was at the Australian Open in January, then the French Open. Now he's at Wimbledon. Uh, getting ready to play a second-round match. Nice life. <laughs> he's uh, he's actually a really nice young man. Uh, I've interviewed him a couple times now, and uh, he's a heck of a tennis player that's getting it done while based in Regina, which is very rare in the tennis world. Yeah. Hey, uh, tomorrow it starts. There's an international basketball tournament, U23 team, and Regina... Saskatchewan and U Sports being represented by Jade Belmore. She's the only U Sports uh, woman on the team. Funny story with uh, Jade. Uh, interviewed her head coach, Dave Taylor, back when she was still in grade 12, I think. And off the air, we were talking about, so you got any good uh, recruits coming in? And he goes, Belmore out of La Boldus. She could start for us today. And she's in wow. grade 11. Wow. <laughs> I just went, whoa. Okay. And uh, watching her career progress, I could see why Dave was excited to get her as a recruit. She's uh, she's an outstanding player. I uh, tried to get her on today, but she said she's in a meeting. Oh, shoot, she says, I'm in a meeting, and then we scrimmage Puerto Rico. Oh, okay, well, you got bigger things to do. <laughs> they, I guess that's okay. They open up against South Africa coming up here uh, tomorrow. All right, Pete, let's talk about the football team. You helped me cover the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, you li- Listen, I lit Twitter on fire sticking up for uh, Garrett Marino saying we've already canceled him once. Why are we trying to do it again with this Masoli injury? Because it's the other leg, you bozos. And uh, you lit Twitter up just kind of saying, hey, can we move on from Cody Fajardo? Yeah, I'm, uh, well, A, I'm not super popular on Twitter, and I'm more than comfortable with that. But uh, (laughs) I'm not known for hot takes. But, yeah, I just thought, you know, Everyone's just so angry at Cody still. Like, okay, I get it. He did not have a very good year last year. Let's face it. He was bad last year. And he moved on. The Riders moved on from him first. Then he moved on because guy needs to eat. And uh, we, I think, upgraded a little bit of quarterback in the offseason with Trevor Harris. So, I mean, everyone should be okay with that, shouldn't they? Except the Montreal O-line. I, I think we're starting to see that Cody Fajardo was a lot more of the sack problem than, you know what I mean, like the O-line, and you're you're a hoggy guy, a fullback guy. Uh, I think the O-line got a lot more uh, criticism than was warranted. Yes. I mean, to be fair, they weren't good. And to be more specific, their offensive tackles were awful. All year long. I mean, bad. So 
that's a factor. But yeah, you see Cody moves to a, a brand new team, brand new O-line, and the same problems persist. I mean, the common denominator would suggest the quarterback has to be at least a little bit culpable. Yeah, and I think you made a good point. We have upgraded at the quarterback spot. I think they're the same guys off the field. Like They seem like both really nice, good good men, good husbands, good fathers, and all that type of thing. But at the yep. quarterback position, Trevor Harris climbs the pocket. He makes plays that uh, Cody wouldn't have made last year. Now, maybe in 2019 when Cody had a better offensive line, nobody had tape on him, he would have pulled off a drive like that at the end of the Edmonton game. But Trevor Harris, I, I've likened him a few times. He's like Phillip Rivers. He climbs the pocket. He doesn't care uh, you know, who's at his feet he's going to look downfield yeah he'll stay in the pocket he'll take a hit which is something i think puts him ahead of cody fajardo a little bit at mm-hmm. this stage in their respective careers what's interesting is and i know you pointed this out is cody saying basically to the media that this year the first year in montreal is the first time he's had an offense built around him and everyone in saskatchewan just sort of went huh yeah well, then what were we doing the last two years And I think that's why people are upset with him because he appears to make a lot of excuses for himself and shifts the blame other, you know, in other uh, ways. And you look at it, Pete, he was the starting quarterback in 2021 and 2022 officially. Can't count 2019 because he came in when Claros got hurt a couple plays into the season. But like, you're the guy with the same guy who was coaching you the last two years and you're going to tell us everything's new and you didn't get a fair shake and nobody had your back like quit whining i think that's why people are mad i think so too i mean okay if cody is accurate in his comments if what does that say about the riders uh did they not let jason moss run his own offense because like you said same guy same coach two different places it's, it's uh it's very weird I can tell you for free, Coach Craig Dickinson lets his offensive coordinator uh, have free reign. He does, you know, pull the reins in a little bit or tell him what he wants to do. But for the most part, no, that was Jason Moss and the Cody show the last couple of years. So, uh, Pete, just before I wrap up with you here, just overall three and one. I, once again, I had to put some fires on. People are mad that we're three and I couldn't believe this. People are mad that we're three and one. Some, a vocal minority, like we're three and one against a Western heavy schedule with lots of injuries. I'm actually pretty happy where the riders are at. A chance to go four and one, Pete. Sweep a second straight series with a West opponent. Like, if the Riders win this game, I know we're five games in, Pete, and the roof could still cave in like it did last year, but I think we take a huge step to the playoffs if we win this Saturday. I think so, too. Uh, I think parity has snuck into the West Division for sure. Uh, even uh, even Winnipeg, they're, yeah, they handed it to the Riders a little bit early in the season, but... They're not as dominant as they've been. They've shown they can be beaten, and I I think the West is wide open at this point. Although, I'm a little leery about the Riders going to 4-1 and potentially, because... That's where they were last year before the wheels fell off. Yeah, but we're, we're you know I, I kind of alluded to it, Pete. Last year we were four and one, but then the Marino thing happened, got suspended. Then he uh, then he got kicked out of the league after the inadvertent hit on Zach Kalaros, and then Lanier went down. Then the injuries really happened. Here we've started with a better vibe, a better culture, different quarterback, found ways to win against West teams instead of East teams last year at the start of the year. That's why I have I'm a little more bullish on the Riders. I'm not planning the great cup parade but i feel better at three and one this year would i be accurate in saying that i think so too and it i think 
it would be hard to argue against the fact that they seem to have more depth this year throughout the roster. I mean, Mitch Bickton, yeah. guy who's been there, done that, can't get into the starting lineup because there are a lot of good guys ahead of him. Started this past week and looked like a league all-star, so that's a, that's a nice thing to have in your back pocket. Well, Pete, good luck on the tennis court. Good luck in, in continuing to beat down cancer. Uh, you're an inspiration. And, hey, uh, lastly, before I let you go, how is Sheldon Williams looking? You're coaching over there with your son, I believe. That's true, yeah. Um, as, as you know, I went through some health challenges uh, over the winter. I'm feeling much better now. But I thought, well, my son's done football. He's moved back to Regina, and he's got a smart mind for the game. So let's see if he wants to get into coaching. So, he did. He's helping me out at Sheldon. We look, I don't know. It's hard to say because I haven't seen the other teams. I know that uh, obviously Green will be strong. They always are in our division, but uh, I think we'll be okay. Pete, your son's a lawyer. How, how did that work? Like, I worked with you. How, where did he get the smart genes from? Now, now to be fair, <laughs> I could have done just as well as him academically. I just decided... You know, high school football is a lot of fun, and we have a lot of parties on the weekends. I should go to every one of those. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we, we took a different approach. Well, I'll tell you what, Pete Pasco is actually one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with, and that's the truth, not because he's on the other end of the Western Pizza hotline. Take care, my friend. Thank you. So uh, thanks to Pete Pasco, Appreciate that. Uh, always insightful, always intelligent. Okay, so I uh, I had said, you ask, we answer. 936-6262, the number to text. Um. I got this one from Jason. Ballsy, I listened to your show for 25 years on The Wolf and didn't think he could pull off a sports talk show and play-by-play. I stand corrected. Great job. Thanks, Jason. He goes on to say, but one request. Can you do some lifestyle and fun bits like you used to do for people that want something other than sports? So that's interesting. Hmm. So we, we're here to cater, Zinger. How about this one, Zinger? Hit that there. A man in Wisconsin was sentenced uh, last week for lying to the U.S. bankruptcy trustee about the replica of the General Lee, the 1969 Dodge Charger made famous in the Dukes of Hazard. Bruce Polzinski, who is 57, was also accused of hiding a 1979 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, which is similar to the model used in the film Smokey and the Bandit 2. The judge, James Peterson, sentenced Polzinski to three years probation and fined him 1000 U.S. for hiding the cars. Okay, so there you go, Jason. We do something other than sports. And I got Zinger and our production staff to go into the studio and put this together for you. Just a good old boy filing bankruptcy. Thought he could be sneaky and hide a nice pair of Robert E. Lee's. Two transams. Every Uncle Sam. Now he's on probation and has to pay a grand Making his way to the Hall of Shame Just calling the Duke is stupid, that's his new nickname 
3.32 with the sports ticker. The Ottawa Red Blacks have signed American quarterbacks Tyrell Pegram and Jake Dunaway following a season-ending Achilles injury to Jeremiah Masoli. That news uh, was confirmed yesterday. Pegram was in training camp with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and initially made their roster as uh, the third-string quarterback. He was released late last month when the club signed Dakota Prukop following his stint in the USFL. And not much sports happening today, but... The Regina Red Sox are in action at 7.05 p.m. tonight. It's country music night at Curry Field. And a great way to get you set for Country Thunder Saskatchewan this weekend. 7.05 p.m. opening pitch. Time now for Cougars in the Cage. A weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. <laughs> Brought to you by our good friends at Freeze Tolman. Since 1956, Freeze Tolman's been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tolman in Regina and Fort Coppell. Well, U of R women's basketball player Jade Belmore has been named to the Canada Basketball's U23 national team, which is going to compete at Global Jam this week in Toronto. Global Jam is an international competition featuring four teams on both the women's and men's sides. Canada's women's team opens the tournament tomorrow against Team Africa, plays the U.S. on Thursday, and finishes off the pool playing against Puerto Rico on Saturday. The top two teams in the four-team pool will rematch for the gold medal on Sunday with the bottom two teams squaring off for the bronze earlier in the day. As it relates to Belmore, she's making her international debut at the event and is the lone U-Sports player on Canada's 12-player roster for that event. All games will be played at the Matami Athletic Centre in Toronto and broadcast nationally on the Sportsnet platform. This has been Cougars in the Cage. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. You ask, we answer. Just ahead of our first uh, piece of audio from Rider Practice, courtesy of our friend Blaine Wyland. This from Steve. Steven says, and Eli wanted to know yesterday, I never got to it. Hey, Ballsy and Zing, how was wrestling on Saturday night? I thought it was great. Uh, the crowd wasn't huge, but I think they only had 2,800 tickets available for sale. And Collision, AEW Collision is their Saturday show. The equivalent of SmackDown, I think. And then they've got Dynamite, which is tonight in Saskatoon. Tomorrow. Yep. Or tomorrow night, sorry. And at the bigger at the bigger venue, I think they only have 3,800 tickets up for sale. And right now they're 200 shy of a sellout there in Saskatoon. That was a great time. Loved it was an it. awesome time. I thought CM Punk and Samoa Joe, they're, they're pushing 45, both of them. Um, it wasn't a spectacular match, but they're there more for their legendary status and names. Mm-hmm. Uh, CM Punk cut a couple of... Nice promos, one during the uh, broadcast and one when they went off the air in-house. I really liked FTR's ma- match with, what was it, the Silver Silver Bullet Gang or something yeah, called? Yeah, that, that was the match of the night, That was man. great. That was pro wrestling at its finest. The, the other one, Ricky Starks against uh, Hobbs. Oh, Powerhouse Hobbs. Powerhouse Hobbs, that was good. Oh, that's a big boy, huh? <laughs> Ricky Oof. Starks kind of c- carried that a little bit, but the one that really carried it was that uh, Action Andretti. He carried uh, Sky, uh, Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky, yep. Yeah, I and thought that, it was great. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was... Uh, 
I was kind of hoping there would be more like fireworks yeah. and stuff, like they only pyrotechnics. Had, they only had uh, Samoa Joe, and then uh, Scorpio Sky had the yeah. crackers going off. That was it. My my wife was kind of disappointed at that aspect. Other than that, she enjoyed herself because I beforehand I was telling her, "Get ready for the fireworks." Happened like twice. Yeah, but what can you do? You all in all, though, was pretty it was good. good. No, she enjoyed it. And Tony she was Con- talking about it all weekend. Tony Khan hooked us up. Sounds nice. They say him, the Jags owner. Yeah, we appreciate that. So it was good. I wish I could go tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be good. You can't. You got to do the show. Yeah. What if I don't show up tomorrow? I'll be then like, where's there? <laughs> Enjoy the event and go find a job. Yeah. Uh, Dave from PA. The Riders should have went for a field goal on third and three in that Calgary game. And uh, wouldn't have gone into overtime. Other teams went for the three points. I was okay with. Uh, oh, I can't, yeah. I was okay with the Rough Riders not going for three in Calgary and not going for three against Edmonton. I liked at the start of the game they went for it. Did you? I lo- perfect decision early in the game. You're playing at home. Yep. And it just shows confidence in, in your offense and your team that you're going to roll this team over. Yeah. They didn't end up rolling them over, but that's the message that you sent. I would and, go for it. And also, and also, dude, uh, the right play call was made. Just there was a malfunction at the junction between Harris and uh, I think Tevin Jones there. Tevin, I'm going to assume, didn't get to the right spot because the ball was thrown to an open area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course... It's third down and one in Calgary. You got a chance to finish them off. They have to give a yard off the ball. You're at their nine that one yard. Shouldn't line. even be this. Like, no, it no. shouldn't even be discussed. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. And any coach in the world, I think, would go for yeah. it. Yeah, in, for in sure. 2023 here. Hey, let's look at the Riders' injury reports, and we'll tell you that uh, Jeremy Clark, full participant in practice, he's been a healthy scratch the last couple of games. Jake Winicky is out with the knee. Don't know how long. We'll get an update from Coach Dickinson on all these. Matt Dean, draft pick out of York, did not participate because of his foot. Anthony Lanier II also banged up because of his foot. Brandon Council did not participate because of his finger. C.J. Revis did not participate because of his leg. Charbel DeBeer didn't practice because of his leg. Lake Corte Moore didn't practice because of his leg. Kosi Onyeka did not practice because of his leg. Roland Milligan Jr. did not participate because of a back and a foot problem. Rodney Clements limited because of his ankle. Peter Godber still out with a hand injury. Amari Henderson didn't practice because of a rib injury. And Brett Lothar didn't practice because of a leg injury. It looks like he will not play in the game against Calgary. That is two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14 people. Is that right? Two? Yeah, I four, think 11 six. players did not practice. And then you got to... 14 and all yeah. on the injured list. So there you go. Uh, one guy that's really stepped up with Jeremy Clark being a healthy scratch. Maybe it's because Deontay Williams, former Nebraska Cornhusker, who wears number 24, has played pretty soundly defensively and on special teams. Bl- uh, Blaine Wyland caught up with him. Well, I guess Deontay to start off with, it seems like every game you seem to make an impression, especially with those big hits. Is that something you kind of set up before the game, you know, to make an impression when you go out and play a game? Yeah, um, when I step on this field, it's all about business and uh, and how I come out. It's just, just to give the fans the show, give the fans the show, give the fans money worth, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, hitting, it always came to me when I was young. I was a big Sean Taylor fan, big Ray Lewis fan back at home. So I love I love to hit guys. I love to be physical out there. Um, that's one thing that's part of my game, and that's another thing that helps me helps me as a, to be a great player. 
Can you talk about what was your mindset, I guess, kind of at the end of camp? You didn't make the the main roster first around the practice roster, but it still felt like you were, it still felt like you made an impression. You felt like it was just a matter of time before you're back with the main roster. Oh, yeah, because I work, I've been out of football for eight months, but out of them eight months, I worked out twice a day, every day. So I knew my opportunity would come. Um, it's all in God's timing. Uh, just wait my turn. Uh, he going to open doors up for me, and that's what, that's what happened. And, and then I stepped in, and I wasn't, I wasn't there. I'm, I wasn't trying to stay in the position just to be renting the position. I wanted to stay in that position, you know. Uh, stay, try to get to help, help the team get wins. Um, and whatever, whatever needs to be done, I'm there. Be that, be that guy to be called on. So. And I was going to say, it seems like this team really uh, depends on versatility. And it seems like, uh, do you feel like you're a versatile player in terms of the secondary that you could play, you know, kind of all the positions in the secondary? Yes, sir. Um, that's what you want to be as a DB. That's just uh, that's just marking you more. That's more value to you. You know what I'm saying? If you could play corner, you could play half, you could play free safety. That's that's kudos to you. Um, other than that, you want to be that guy because you never know when a guy go down and they need you to come in and uh, step in and take that spot. So, so being versatile is another big access access to, in your game. So, how have you found the adjustments of the Canadian game as an American defensive back? Uh, I say the Canadian game more challenging because it's more field to work with. Back at home, the field is shorter. Um, uh, other than that, technique wise, you gotta be just like downstate, you gotta be technique sound up here as well, because that waggle is something crazy. Um, judging the, judging if somebody's speed coming at you full speed, and you gotta guard that. Uh, it's it's pretty hard and it's pretty challenging. But once you get the technique down, and once you keep working on it every day, you'll get it down. So, what was that like? That like the first time you experienced the waggle? It was hard. <laughs> it was hard. It was very challenging. Uh, I was getting frustrated a little bit because I'm letting guys beat me that I know I could, you know, beat every day in practice. And uh, and it was just getting frustrated. But having a, a DB coach like Coach Klein, very uh, uh, very sound, detailed guy, uh, helped me every day. Um, if you ever if you ever come out here early early in practice, you see me uh, working on this uh, the sax. We call it the sax tail. You see me just working technique on the sax tail. So. And stuff like that just helped me, helped me, and helped me. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Just helped me. I don't know, adapt to the to the Canadian league. So, what's a little, little word twist right there? <laughs> That's all right. But uh, how how how's been your first couple of tastes of Ryderville here, playing in front of the Ryder fans here in Mosaic Stadium? Oh, I love it. I love it. It just remind me back at back in college, uh, all the uh, the Cornhusker fans. Uh, People up here, they ride for their riders, and that's just something that you would love to play for every week, just, just to give them a show. So, Does Lincoln and Regina have like kind of the same feel? The same feel, same feel. Except for y'all wheat and they corn. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Communication is big. Um, just like you, how you were saying, like, if everybody on the same page, you you as good as the weakest person on the team. So other than that... Um, just communicating and going over stuff, watching film with each other, making sure we see the same thing, same same exact stuff, make sure we're on the same page. Uh, you just answered that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, we got a, we got our own little slang. It's it's called members. Uh, if you got to be a part of the members on the defensive side of the ball. It's just us just that's that that's just a bond. That's just us being brothers. It's a brotherhood. Um, even if the offense start off so we know what we could be and we're just trying to be great and we know what our goal was from the start and we signed up for that goal so we want to just continue to get better and continue to grow as a defense. That's Deontay Williams, Nebraska Cornhusker. Nice story there. Out of football for eight months, working hard, and uh, it's got a chance. Like we always say, when opportunity knocks, got to answer the door. A guy like him does that. A guy like uh, Mitch Pickton does that. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, we'll be back to answer some of your questions. You ask, we answer. That's what we call it. 936-6262, our text line. You can call that number, too, if you want to ask us something in person. Or one 767 620 This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Don't miss Yorkton Auction Center's first annual Combine and Header Auction. Bidding closes July 25th. Over 45 lots and counting for this auction. Featured for sale is a 2013 New Holland CR9090 Combine, 2009 Case IH8120 Combine, 2009 Case IH AF7120 Combine, 19.5 Case IH2188 Combine, and so much more. For more information on this sale, visit yacauctions.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. 347 on a Tuesday, July the 11th. Let's get to the text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. This comes from Steven. I'm going to let... This is a quite a rant, so let's read it. Mm, let me settle in. After spending the bye week rewatching every CFL game in its entirety, wow, I see a few areas that competition needs to be brought in immediately or else major change will result at the end of a less than mediocre year. O'Day and company seem to accept the barometer of just getting by, and time and experience will improve matters. Well, the end is near, and if you don't improve a few key areas in talent and coach up a better game plan for your talent, another season is lost. Micah Johnson's a stud, but his shelf life is quickly closing. The guy you've, the guys you've been grooming aren't mean, nasty, or going to scare anyone. Edmonton just made a trade and found a great Canadian D-tackle right under your noses. Speed in the receiving core needs to be addressed, even if one speed demon is found. We need an edge rusher. So bad. There's no rush, whether it's an injury or what. Like I said, no pressure from the D-tackle. We won't win much. Evan Johnson's a weak link on the O-line. We need a Canadian bully who can move guys around. He's a pylon. Jeffries, it's Jeffrey, is new and going to be great. We just need patience, I will say, though. Most times the game plan can be tossed within a game. So being able to adjust on the fly is something you need to trust within yourself. The last Edmonton game was a prime example. Elks came to stop the run, so why didn't you adjust to it and play to your strengths? Not theirs. Stats are not always the way to draw up a plan for winning. Please learn from the Edmonton game. They are exposed. It is obvious, and we will. We, we still nearly lost. Everyone knew Cornelius would run or hand off a lot, and he did. 
The O-line is horrendous, and it made the Riders look below average. Okay, I'm done with my rant. Go Riders. <laughs> every like every single game this this guy watched, that's impressive. That is impressive. Okay. but I see you, Steve. I'm impressed. I'm impressed, you. and good job, Steve. And Steve uh, obviously cares about his team, so kudos to him. I don't think Evan Johnson's been a pylon. I think he's actually been better this year, yeah, in my been. opinion. So Steve hasn't really been watching that closely, in my opinion. Um, yeah, this is the first game I thought Kelly could have uh, Kelly Jeffrey could have changed things up a little bit better. Some of the some of the play calling, especially on first down, like too yeah. many first down runs to yeah. set up second and long. Hope that kind of Cal- like a theme happening. Hopefully, he keeps Calgary off balance. And I don't disagree with him with the pass rush. We brought it up with Coach yesterday. They need to. Uh, Find something there on the outside, juggle it up, put Lanier inside. But the reason they don't have Lanier inside is a yeah, yeah. lot more traffic inside, a lot more bang, and he's banged up, pretty banged up coming into this game. So they're trying to limp through this one, not making excuses, just telling you. Receiving core, I don't know. Like, yeah, they didn't put up a lot of yards last game, but the two previous games, they had over 400 yards. Net offense. Well, it wasn't the receiver's fault last game. It no. was it was a, no. it was a problem up front. Uh, Harris had no time, and when he did have time, I mean, offensive line is offensive lines are tough everywhere except for Winnipeg. BC even had a tough time with Montreal, except for Winnipeg, maybe Toronto. Offensive line not spectacular in the CFL and not spectacular in football in general. So you're not going to find this big Canadian bully that's going to bully everybody around on the offensive line, unless Brett Jones decides to come back and he go, comes to Saskatchewan. It's, it's, I sent him a text message. He went quiet. I don't know if he got into med school or not. If he didn't, he said he was going to try playing football again, but he hasn't got back to me. You're talking about Brett Jones? Brett Jones. Yeah, Brett Jones. Hey, man, it's it's tough to be an O-lineman in this day and age because it seems like D-lineman across the world, not only in NFL, CFL, college, like defense alignment, they're more athletic than ever, more fast and powerful than ever. Mm-hmm. And, and not saying old linemen are digressing at all, but you know, it, it's a tough position to play. And I think even more so tougher as the years go on because of these guys, their pass rushing skills around the end, up the middle. I mean, thinking back like 20 years ago, I, I, the pass rush was a whole lot different. You maybe would have like one guy on, on a team that could rush mm-hmm. the passer. BC they have like five of them. So well, I'll tell you this, man. Let's talk changing. about this. Let's talk about this O line for a second because Pro Football Focus utilizes extensive review of game footage to provide additional context for every action on the field. Highly trained staff break down every game player and play to provide over two hundred unique data points, which are used to compile player grades. Could Pro Football focus, please do our live game stats instead of genius sports. Like, honestly, this is the organization that Chris Collinsworth has a part of. He's the NBC lead color commentator and, of course, former Cincinnati Bengal. Anyway, Trevor Harris, 88.2 was his grade. That was the top-graded quarterback in Week 5, 19-29, 292, one touchdown. Um, The uh, Riders' offensive line, Graded out at 75.7, best offensive line. And Colin Kelly, 68.6. Logan Furlan, 63.6. Brandon Council, 63.1. I, I, listen, Jeremy O'Day has tried to bring in beef on the offensive line. Nobody can fault the injuries his team has gone through, I think. That's why when people ask me, are you 
How, why are you so confident about this team? Listen, I'm not planning a great cup parade. I said 9-9, nine and 10-8, nine, and eight, and I'll stick by that because if they can win this game, they won the season series with Calgary. And Mitch Pickton, by the way, first time starting this year, graded out as the top receiver at 75. <laughs> How about this one, Ballsy? Pro Football Focus rated 4 out of 5 of Montreal's offensive linemen as the highest graded players per position. Apparently, so it just goes to show you maybe uh, you know Cody Fajardo needs to figure it out a bit more because apparently their offensive line's playing pretty well, good. It, 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 listen, the evidence is in. The evidence is in, and you can uh, you can um, try to say the offense wasn't designed around me or nobody had my back or this or that. Listen. The dude is on pace to be sacked 99 times. I will never say Trevor, I will never say Cody Fajardo isn't tough because he's a tough SOB. You won't find people, people, people tougher than him on the field, but he will not stand in there and take a hit. He, he, he right away, like I saw one sack and this is, I'm not an offensive line genius by any stretch. I'm a play by play announcer. Shotgun snaps about four or five yards back, right? Takes the yeah. shotgun snap, and he drops another four steps. Well, that's nine yards behind the center. Your tackle is not pushing a guy nine yards downfield because after a while, there's a two way go, right? Like he can go the the D the Turns D tackle bubble. the D tackle yep. can do anything. Okay, so he pushed bets out at about seven yards, which is probably the maximum, right? Seven step drop, pushed him back, and he ran right around him and right into Cody because Cody was nine yards back. Mm. Like everybody was talking about how great the Montreal offensive line was last year, and he's going behind a great offensive line. His offensive line was crappy in Saskatchewan, and now they're on pace for ninety nine sacks when the Riders gave up seventy seven sacks. I'm no offensive guru either, but when I'm just watching the offense for Montreal, the reason why Cody Fajardo's dropping back so much mm. is to compensate for the fact that he can't read a defense. It gives him more. In his mind, it gives him more time to look down the field because he can't do it with the snap of the finger like mm-hmm. a Ricky Ray or like a Trevor Harris can do. Yeah. Just the facts. It is the facts. Why do read quarterbacks get sacked a lot? Yeah. Okay, so I got to bring this up. It's a personal thing, but I do. There's a lot of uh, older, like we have a lot of older people listening to this show or par- people listening to the show with older parents and listen to this station. And my dad is a 76 year old dude and he just got scammed the other day. He got taken for 900 bucks. I'll tell you the story quickly. So, guy calls my dad, and don't ask me, my dad's 76, whatever. Calls my dad and says, your grandson's been injured in a motor vehicle accident, and he broke his nose, and he owes $8,700, and he has to pay or he faces criminal negligence charges. And my dad's all panicking. And the guy, the guy, so he kept calling my dad back. My dad didn't tell anybody. Don't ask me why, but my dad didn't tell anybody. My dad took a cab, didn't tell my mom, drove to the bank, took out $8,700, and was going to, he had to do it through Bitcoin. Like, my dad, like, this is what I'm talking about. So I was trying to tell my dad, Dad, from now on, I appreciate it. Shows you love. He got he got taken for $900 before the cab driver thought something was up and stopped my dad from doing this. 
because he himself had been built for in a different situation. So my thing is, you got elderly parents, or you're el- you're you're elderly yourself, or whatever. Just if it's not your family, don't trust anybody. Mm. This is a horrible, horrible world that we live in, sickening. and there is a special place in hell for people that rip older people off. And the, t- talk to the cops is like it's very it's impossible because it was a burner phone or whatever. But like, yeah, and and you got to be smart. Like you know, he should have said what I told that is he should have said, well, what's uh, which grandson? Because because mm-hmm. then because my dad said they didn't have my grand his grandson's name. He said who Carson I said yeah Carson right. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? Yep. Should have said who's my grandson? Which one? Well, your older one. Well, what's my older one's name then? Without giving any names, yep. like, it has to be. Checks and balances, and it just—I just want to bring it up. It's—it's it's terrible, and there is a place in hell for people like that. A place in hell. I hope they rot in hell. I hope they get hit by a bus. It's a sports cage on six twenty CKRM. Six twenty CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. For smart investing solutions, be smart with your money. You do that by calling Brian Golly, 546 2533. Arash is on the phone line, Western Pizza Hotline. Arash, welcome to the show. Vladdy Guerrero wins the home run. Derby, I think Julio Rodriguez got tired. 41 homers in yeah. one round. I think that's what happened there. But uh, Vladdy wins, and it's interesting because his dad did it in 2007, and that's the first time a father-son has ever done that. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Ballsy, I think you're onto something there about the Julio Rodriguez getting tired. It almost felt like Vlad learned from his mistake in 2019. Remember, he had the all-time record for the most homers in the first round? Yep. Uh, Vlad kind of took it easy in this first round and kind of peaked at the end. And it it really is amazing when you think about the father-son thing because when Vlad Sr. won that derby way back when, his son was just kind of hanging around the cage and helping out with the Gatorades and milling with the big leaguers then, and now that son is the home run derby champion. It really is incredible. Well, and I wonder, what can this do for a guy? Give him a shot in the arm uh, in the uh, short term for confidence or uh, down the line, too? I think both. And the other thing it does, Ballsy, is that it re... Like, Vlad's kind of... He was the phenom prospect coming out, and then he set the world on fire in 2019... And then COVID hit, and the Blue Jays haven't won a playoff game, and it just feels like in the baseball superstardom with Tatis and now De La Cruz and Otani, that Vlad's kind of taken a, you know, a, a step back. He's in that second tier now. Something like this now puts Guerrero front and center in the baseball universe again. It, it puts him in that superstardom spot. That that he had for a brief second, and now um, now he has it again. The question, yeah, what's this going to do for him on the field? I think it can only be a good thing because it can remind him of what he can be, and that and that sometimes is what 
what a young star needs, especially if he's not performing at the level that he wants, that he's used to, and all those things. The All-Star Game goes tonight. It's the only All-Star Game I usually watch because... Um... You know, it's close to the truest form of the game. Like, there's no tackling in the in the football one. Hockey's a BS. So is the NBA. But I've even lost my interest factor in this game. I, what do you, you know? How do you see it? Well, you're a Padres guy, right? Yep. So, you know, when you think back to your adolescence, early adulthood, whatever, how many times did you get a chance to watch Tony Gwynn hit? Yeah. Tony Gwynn play. Yeah. The All-Star game back in the day mattered so much because it was one of the few times you could actually see superstars on TV. Now, with the advent of the Internet and social media and streaming and the rest, everything's at our fingertips. It's not a novelty to get a chance to watch. Well, I know he's not playing tonight, Mike Trout, but it's not a novelty to see the game's great players because they're all just available to us all the time now. So I don't know what baseball's solution to this is. I know 15 years ago they tried to say, well, whichever team wins the All-Star game gets home field advantage in the World Series, which was just moronic. Um, But I don't know what the solution is, but I think that's the main thing, is that access to superstars is so easily available now. One of our listeners, Ryan Douglas and Moose Jaw, always listens to the show, and we argue uh, jokingly back and forth about Thursday night football. I don't like it. He likes it. I do like the fact the CFL's tried to put a game on every day to highlight it here in the summer when they're not really competing with a lot. I know Blue Jays baseball, but you know. But what I what's interesting is right now this little stretch here, this little stretch, couple days, CFL would have nothing to compete against, and we got nothing to watch. Yeah, I'm 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 baffled, Baldy, because year after year, you know, tomorrow, the Wednesday of MLB All Star Week, there's nothing happening. Like the ESPYS, like the the mo- if you're a sports fan, the only thing you can really consume is the Oscars of sports. That's a made for TV thing. Um, look, you want to talk about having a good American TV partner? Why wouldn't you put it on a night like tomorrow when it's up against nothing in a gambling environment where, you know, people can wager on sports and wager on that game and actually have it be talked about on some different talk shows and the rest? Yeah. This is a real opportunity lost, especially in today's climate where content is king. Yeah, Rash, uh, in, in theory what you say is right about gambling, except we got the Genius Sports D team. This is what I can't figure out. So we got the Genius Sports D team working on our stats, and the NFL just re up with Genius Sports because they're smitten with what they're doing. So something isn't adding up here for me. Yeah, I, and, and I don't know enough about it, Baldy. It's just that, again, like the commissioner, what, two, three weeks ago asked for patience, and like, again, it's the same thing? Like, has it even improved since week one? Uh, no, not much. Mi- seen that way. You know, live stats are non-existent, which you'd kind of need if you're gambling, especially for in-game uh, gambling. Um, brutal. Right. Si- not just that, too, Bozzi. I went to CFL.ca on my phone the other day, Yeah. and the score at the top was different than the score in the middle of the screen. Why no? They and had- my cell phone isn't... 
like the size of a big screen TV. You they, know what I mean? They had stats of Richard Sindani on one thing, and uh, on the other thing you call it up, it said he didn't participate in the game. So what was it? Did he play or didn't he participate? One one game Ottawa. Yeah, one game Ottawa lost, but they had five kick returns for touchdowns in the game. Good. Good. Hey, uh, brutal situation. Speaking of Ottawa for the Red Blacks, and Winnipeg comes to town with Willie Jefferson and the highest graded D lineman this past week, Jeff Coates, and they're going against a guy named Dustin Crum. Um, he looked okay coming off the bench against Hamilton, but Hamilton isn't Winnipeg. What do you know about this Dustin Crum and what they're doing there in, in Ottawa? For a second, let's talk about Dustin Crum off the field. Because, Ballsy, unlike you and I, this dude is an actual rocket scientist. He has a degree in aeronautical systems of engineering technology. Okay? Mm -hmm. Like, he was part of Kent State's rocket team where they built a rocket with an automatic lander. Wow. I think he's at least his. I don't know what his football IQ is, although the people in Ottawa tell me it's really strong, but he's a smart guy, is what I'm telling you. Okay. He's going to be able to, to to grasp this offense pretty quickly. Yeah. So he's smart. He's a genius, and that's great. He's ahead of us for sure. At least, he should go work for genius sport. Yeah, at least he's ahead of me. But can he play football? Like, Can he read the 12th man? Can he pick up the 12th man? Apparently, yes. Apparently, that's not the issue with him is that he's somebody who's really hard on himself in the film room. He'll go back and watch the coaches tape. He'll identify things before some of the coaches do even Balsey. And this is something like he's had to do Mm -hmm. coming out of high school, just one scholarship offer. And he's been in this situation before. Like imagine this, you have one scholarship offer. You go to, you know, you go to campus in your freshman year and the top two quarterbacks go down, and suddenly you're the emergency quarterback, and you're in the game, and he took over the starting job from there. So he's been in this situation before. Yeah. Hey, what, I, what do we know about? Yeah. What do we know about Crum? Mobile, has accuracy, but the question is, lacks a little zip on the football. So can he stretch the field? Can he stretch a big Canadian field? That becomes the question here. All right, and lastly, before I let you go here, um, so uh, I wondered aloud before the Grey Cup uh, run for Toronto, Abe, would, would Mike O'Shea with no contract maybe look to go to the Argos where he was a hero back there in Toronto land? Uh, you know, basically what I'm saying is, is I was one of those ones that wondered aloud if Ryan Dinwiddie was the right choice, but he just signed an extension, and why not? He's doing great. He's doing great. I mean, they win the championship last year, and they're the only undefeated team this year. But more than that, Ballsy, like, he had to take over a lot of the personnel responsibility. He and Vince Magri effectively were running the show last season when John Murphy wasn't in the mix. He's gotten buy-in from his players. Like, he got, he won a championship with McLeod Bethel-Thompson as his quarterback. And now think of how he's handled Chad Kelly, who came with a lot of question marks, and he didn't throw Kelly right into the fire. He's just introducing more and more to him. Um, from what I've been told, he's got a good rapport with ownership over there at MLSE. The locker room is is picking up what he's putting down. And it makes sense. They're winning football games. They have a few extra people coming to the games. But 
you know, you want a young coach who's relatable to the players but can also coach the players hard. And I'm told that's what Dinwiddie has been able to do as well. So this makes a ton of sense, and it's the reward for winning a championship. Thanks for your time, man. We will talk to you on Thursday, okay? Hi, Bozzy. Thanks. Arash Madani, coast to coast for smart investing solutions. We have another intelligent man on the way, Don Hewitt. Huey's Heroes and Zeros on the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Oh, popped it up. Got to have one. I don't think he did it. He did not do it. Oh, my. Vlad Guerrero Jr. will hang on and win the 2023 T-Mobile Home Run Derby. Yes, sir. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. just hung on barely. 25 home runs to 23 home runs. Randy Arozarena was coming close towards the end there, but he could not tie or pass Vladdy. So Vladdy Guerrero Jr. wins the Home Run Derby, and he joins his dad, Vladdy Guerrero Sr., as a Home Run Derby champ. Senior won the Derby back in 2007 in San Francisco. Flatty Guerrero Jr., that was a pretty clutch performance. He is your clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fentealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. This is Football 101. A look at CFL news and notes with the Professor Don Hewitt. All right, yes, Football 101 with our professor Don Hewitt. It's time for another round of Heroes and Zeros. I know last week Zinger did uh, the Zeros first, then the Heroes. We're going to go one and one. Let's start with your first hero, Don Hewitt. There's no question the top hero was Mitch Pickton, rider receiver, after his outstanding performance uh, last week against the Edmonton Elks. Uh, four receptions, 76 yards, uh, one touchdown, the big one. That's his first start of the entire season. Uh, from what I saw of Picton against the Elks, he's at the absolute peak of his abilities. And you look at week five, he gets a 75 grade. That's the highest grade of any CFL receiver from last week. Now, I'm going to throw a question back to you, Ballsy. Is Mitch Picton the most underrated player on the Rough Riders? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of another one that's more underrated, Don. I will say this, he's exactly what's right with the locker room. We heard so much about culture last year, I think it was overblown, but I will tell you this, when you've got a guy that's a local dude that knows every position in the receiving core and knows the playbook like the back of his hand and can step in and replace Winicky, and to this point, look better than Jake Winicky, uh, yeah, yeah, I would say he is underrated. Well, I mean, I don't really care in some respects that he's local, the pride of Howarlock Elementary, by the way. Yes. Uh, the fact is, wherever he's from, he just looked fantastic, and he hasn't had a, a chance uh, this season up until then. He only went in as a starter because of injury, and uh, they're going to have to think long and hard about what they do with Mitch Picton going forward because they've got some very good Canadian receivers coming in. And Mitch Picton is doing the job. Anyway, all right, because th- he was clearly at the top of my list for and, heroes. And think about the chip on the shoulder he had in the off season when he sees them bring in Breskis in, and you know they bring in Winnicky and they bring in these guys, and he's over here like, "What about me? What about me?" And uh, when he gets in the yep. field, opportunity knocks, and when it knocks, you got to answer the door, and he did. Number two hero, right. Don Hewitt. Number two hero. 
Jeremiah Mazzoli, uh, I really think he's a symbol of the perseverance that CFL players have to keep playing in such a physical sport. It took him an entire year to recover from that Garrett Marino hit. He comes back and then, you know, pops his Achilles. And, you know, I think that it resonated in Saskatchewan seeing Mazzoli go down because I think many Rough Rider fans feel very badly that former Saskatchewan defensive tackle Garrett Marino deliberately injured Mazzoli last season, and that brought that memory completely back. Now, are the two related? We don't really know. I mean, he would have been working more perhaps on the healthier leg. Did that hurt his Achilles? It may have had nothing to do with it, the two injuries. Uh, but it still, I think, made people feel bad in Saskatchewan because it was such an ugly situation a year ago. So, you know, you know, I saw a tweet somewhere that the league is better off with players like Jeremiah Mazzoli. I totally agree. Has he won a great cup? No. But it's his perseverance that impresses me, so I, I call him a hero. Yeah, and these guys play f- uh, for not life-changing money in a lot of cases. Uh, he'd be paid more than others because he's a quarterback, but definitely not NFL money. They put their bodies on the line for our entertainment. I will say this, though, Don, this is why you're the professor and I'm the... Uh, fiery student so to speak because i was quite, <laughs> i don't think you're my student but well, i went in on twitter a little bit because i am mad they're trying to cancel garrett marino again and i don't need a doctor to know that i had nothing to do with what garrett marino did the year before it was two different legs it was a non-contact injury we've already canceled the guy let it go already and there are players in the league a couple on masoli's old team in the hamilton tiger cats that are just as dirty and just as much repeat offenders as Garrett Marino was. So I don't like this pick and choose we have. Right. Okay. Fair enough. It wasn't an entire year ago, but I think it it, it did bring back a, a sour memory. But yeah, I mean, uh, Simone Lawrence, say no more. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, speaking of zeros, give me uh, your first zero. Well, shockingly enough, I'm not picking Chris Jones <laughs> this week because I've done it two weeks before. I could have done it again with the gap with the. Uh, they were Turner in the end zone in Saskatchewan, but the fact is the Edmonton Elks should have won that game likely, and they played very hard. But no, it's not Chris Jones. Maybe it'll be Chris Jones next week. I don't know. But my number one zero is, uh, I guess, Cody Fajardo after week five for what he seems to do to offensive lines. Montreal leads the CFL in sacks allowed now with 22. That's six worse than the second-worst team along sacks, and that's Edmonton. Uh, BC sacked Fajardo six times this past Sunday. The Riders have only given up 13. So Fajardo is an absolute, I'd say he's a wrecking ball on his own offensive line. And last year, everybody was saying it was the majority of the problem was with the Rough Rider offensive line when they set a record for sacks allowed. We now know, we now know, that Cody Fajardo had a heck of a lot to do with it because suddenly the Alouette offensive line is absolutely porous. Yeah. And if you take a look at the at the at the ratings this week that just came out, the Ryder offensive line graded out number one at seventy five point seven, Colin Kelly sixty eight point six, Logan Furlan sixty three point six, Brandon Council at sixty three point one. You know, it's Harris's pocket presence, Trevor Harris with his great pocket presence 
He's also the number one greatest CFL quarterback at 88.2 after week five. But his pocket presence is helping. So Cody Fajardo doing his furthest stair moves, tiptoeing around for what seems like forever, but finally getting sacked, no progressions. He's now all of a sudden the Montreal offensive line is starting to feel like last year. Saskatchewan offensive line. Proofs in the pudding can't say it better than the Professor Don Hewitt. And your last zero, Donnie. My last zero is the CFL command center technology. Not the command center people. The <laughs> technology that they're trying to to work with. I mean, of course, the ridiculous ruling on Taylor Cornelius last week not being over the line of scrimmage throwing that pass versus the Elks. The problem is they don't have enough cameras to make proper decisions on a play like that. Now, you can get GoPros all over the place, and you can, as far as I know, you can use GoPros wirelessly, and they're not expensive. So I I don't know whether they can look into that or not. I mean, the NFL has so many camera angles. When they go to video review, they get it right because they've got angles on every line of scrimmage, it seems. So I wonder why the command center just doesn't say ballsy, okay, we do not have the proper camera angle on this plate. We cannot make a ruling. Then you leave it to the officials. I mean, they do get some calls right. Henderson batting that ball out of bounds in Calgary, for example, but it's the technology. So either admit you don't have the camera angles to do it or or don't make the call because I don't think the people are idiots in the command center like a lot of people think. They're probably quite knowledgeable, know what they're doing. They don't have the angles. That's right. I'm going to throw a hero and zero in myself. I like Andre Pruel. I think he's gotten better as an official. He's gotten better as communic- at communicating to the crowd mm-hmm. with his calls. So I'll, I will give him a check mark. And I don't want to flog a dead horse, but a big zero for me for Genius Sports. Still haven't figured out the stats, and it's hilarious. Uh, apparently, they're doing a bang-up job for the NFL. They just re-up with Genius Sports. But I don't know if we've got the C, the D, or the bargain basement team, but they're not working very well for the CFL. It's a total embarrassment and it affects our job your job my job when i can't go back and look at historical stats or where this guy's from and like what he did then that's embarrassing that's absolutely embarrassing and the the, the thing is they need real-time statistics for the betting industry that's why it's surprising they're having so many issues because there's money on the line for the cfo yeah, and, and I don't want... Great that Randy Ambrosi was on our show and came out and admitted it and said he was sorry, but time for sorries is done. This is big boy business, and like Don Hewitt just said, you got to figure it out. Thanks for your time, Huey. Thanks a lot, Ballsy. Great show. It's 4.32 at the Sports Ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. Not much happening in the sports world tonight, but we do have the Major League Baseball All-Star Game in Seattle. It's the National League taking on the American League. Zach Gallen gets to start on the hill for the NL, and Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees gets to start for the American League. Opening pitches at 6.05 p.m. Saskatchewan time. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three down game. Here, play pass, 16 counters, ZD bank. Full back west right, zoom. Full back left, pass half back at zero, Z quick screen left, on one. Right. 
Of course, we care about the Riders here on 620 CKRM. And the opponents for the Rough Riders, the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday. We'll have the coverage beginning with the pregame show at 2. Kickoff just after 5. And the Riders for the second straight week with the win can win the season series against a Western Division opponent. Saskatchewan opened this season series with Calgary. A 29-26 victory in double overtime at McMahon Stadium on June 24th. Mark Stephen, the voice of the Calgary Stampeders, joined us on the sports cage and stopped just short of calling this a must-win. It's a really better win game, I guess is the way I would put it. Um, <laughs> you know, for the reasons you said, uh, they would fall three games behind the Rough Riders. One team would be one and four. The other would be four and one. But, you know, uh, let's not forget two years ago the Stampeders were one and four. Uh, they did make the playoffs. Let's not forget where the Rough Riders were after five games last year as well and what happened there. So I'm saying that uh, they better win it. You don't want to be chasing too many teams too far. And the CFL report brought to you by Kevin's Marine and Fort Coppell. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in Fort Coppell or online at kevinsmarine.com. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. I feel like we should have a Motley Crue song here. That's what I feel like. Because I think Al Miller's a big Motley Crue fan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, hey, I'll just sing it like I did yesterday. No, that would have sounded terrible. Oh. I listen. Oh. No, you don't even know. <laughs> but it's about an... Uh-uh. Brutal. Uh, so John Paddock is uh, <laughs> stepping down and retiring from hockey, and he's being replaced by Al Miller. He's GM of the Warriors. He compiled 270 wins, finished first in the WHL in points in 2017-2018 with 109. And under his tutelage, he has helped develop current NHLers. Morgan Riley may have heard of him. Braden Point may have heard of him. Brad Howden may have heard of him. Tanner Janot may have heard of him. He's on the show now. Thanks for joining us, Al. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Now, am I right? Uh, Kelly Rample, the Silver Fox, has told me, I think, that you're a big Motley Crue fan. Am I right when I say that? Yeah, yeah. And uh, had lots of con- conversations with uh, Remps, the Silver Fox there. Uh, yeah. About 80s music and yeah. Motley Crue and Poison and Aerosmith. And, and, wow. Uh, yeah, I I, I I I I've been to a lot of concerts. Grew up in the Toronto area in the '80s when it was flourishing, and yeah, and um, yeah, big uh, big Motley Crue, Aerosmith, Metallica, all that stuff, ballsy. So uh, I'm a bit of a headbanger, even uh, in my mid fifties. You're right in my wheelhouse, man. I just turned fifty, so I'm right with you, buddy. Uh, he told me you've gone to like uh, Motley Crue thirty five times, and I said I don't think Motley Crue's been to Motley Crue thirty five times, Al. <laughs> well, I, I, I've actually seen Motley Crue 47 times, Ballsy. Holy cow. 47 times. What yeah, What I, keeps you going back for more, Al? You know what? It's um, Concerts for me are like a game day. You know, there's an, there's an excitement when you get up in the morning. Uh, it's yeah. game day. Uh, you get ready. And, and concerts are a little bit the same for me. Uh, again, it had a lot to do with uh, you know my 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 buddies when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up in the Toronto area, there was you know the the scene exploded. It wasn't the uh, it wasn't the strip in in Hollywood, but it was uh, 
Um, so lots of concerts, lots of cover bands, lots of different things going on. It was just, you know, what what I grew up in an era with and, and, and what my buddies and I did in terms of music and mm-hmm. we were into it and we enjoyed it. And yeah, and I won't even get into Ballsy Motley Crew, uh, like how many times I've seen Def Leppard or um, <laughs> Aerosmith as, as well. It's in the 20s and... Um, just, uh, just, just something that I grew up with and, and me and my friends to this day, um, you know, we'll travel around a few, few months back. We were at the Atlantic city show with, uh, Def Leppard and crew. Um, me and my wife made a trip out that on what was their final tour back then to, to LA for the last show on New Year's Eve. So, um, yeah, it's been a big part of our lives. Well, much like Motley Crue comes back. Alan Miller comes back, and he's coming back to the Western Hockey League, and he is on the other side now. He comes to the good side. He was with Moose Jaw, but he's like, you know what? I'm going to go to the penthouse now, and I'm going to coach. I'm going to be in charge of and run the oldest, most storied franchise in junior hockey. Um why get back into being a GM? Is it what you kind of described there, like game day and, and having the juices flowing and being in charge of a team? Yeah, you know what? Like, and I've said it before. Like the the decision to, to to leave the Western Hockey League as a manager in Moose Jaw and, and go to Hockey Canada was was a difficult one. Um, you know, because of a lot of the reasons that I'm that I'm back. Um, the Hockey Canada experience was outstanding. Um, I worked with uh, some great people, um, but in the last uh, couple of months, uh, my eyes and ears were open about some potential other opportunities and I had received some calls about some opportunities and and just like you said Ballsy there's um you know it, managing a, a team in the Western Hockey League it's it's like managing a smaller NHL franchise in terms of how you build teams you draft um trade deadline training camp um the excitement of opening night um you know a lengthy schedule preparing for playoffs two or three games a week Really, the relationships the, with staff, the camaraderie with the staff, relationships with players and their families. So there's just some things that I missed. And, um, you know, when I got that text from John Paddock a couple of months back, I was at the Under-18 Worlds in Switzerland, and he just said, hey, I'm, I'm hearing some things about you considering other options, and uh, I'm going to pack it in here, and uh, would you be interested in talking to the Pats? I... Uh, um, I engaged in that process, was very impressed with the process, you know, when it came to Gavin and Sean Semple and, uh, and Gord Pritchett, the chief executive officer here, who I've had a relationship with. And, um, you know, you mentioned it, the, it's a historic franchise, um, lots of tradition. Um, it's considered a, a flagship franchise in, in uh, the Canadian Hockey League. And, for my wife Kelly and I, um, Saskatchewan's comfortable um, in terms of the friends, the lifelong friends that we built in in uh, Moose Jaw, um, and so all those things coming together with the the fan base here, the support here, and uh, where I believe myself and the rest of the team here can can take this franchise, uh, it felt right. What kind of team are you taking over, Al? Well, I, I think, Ballsy, that, um, you know, the first thing that I would tell you is that, you know, I, I've got some work to do to fully understand uh, the team that I'm taking over. Um, I actually spent uh, 
three or four hours here early today with with staff uh, going through our 50-man list and our potential roster and our depth chart and and, and getting a feel for uh, for for what we have and uh, you know what I would tell you is that um, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have some patience here I'm gonna take my time in terms of getting into training camp get through the preseason first couple of months of the the season. Um, I want to see where we're at. want to make sure that we have a plan in the best interest of the franchise, not only for this year, but to build a team that can, can, can contend, whether that's a year, two, three years down the road. Um, and just, you know, have a strategy, have a plan in place. And, um, and, and like I said, do, uh, um, go through the process. So just learning exactly what we've got here and, and, and then, um, build it the right way. It's the hardest trophy to win, I think, probably besides the World Cup. And I put the World Cup, the Junior, the Memorial Cup, and probably the U Sports football trophies as the toughest trophies to win. And in junior hockey, you talked about building a. You talked about, um, you know, it's like an, uh, a smaller NHL team. I think it's worse or harder to build a WHL team because. That draft is such a crapshoot, isn't it? Like it is. You don't. You're drafting a 15 year old guy. How's he going to mature? Can he live away from home? There are so many factors. There, there are. There is. A, there is a. You know, unbelievable. There are challenges. Um, you know, it certainly is. Um, um, you know, when you talk about a Bantam draft, uh, you, you know, 14, 15 year olds. Um, the cyclical nature of the of the game, where you lose your best players, you know, your 19 and 20 year olds. Um, so really ballsy, you, you, you know, you've 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 got to draft well, you've got to develop your players. If you're going to make moves, they have to complement your draft and development model. Um, you need young players to develop. You need them to grow up together to uh, to have success. Um, you know, so when you look at you know the the, you know what your scouting staff looks like, the leadership around your scouting staff, the value of draft picks, the value of drafting well, the value of having a development plan for your players and the coaching staff that understands the balance between development and winning when it comes to young players and, and making sure that we're getting better day by day. And, uh, and again, I just come back to the fact that uh, you, know, you want to build a program and you want to build a team the right way and the right way is not by making trades and trades and trades. It's uh, it's by drafting well and developing your in developing young people and, and young players. Well, Al, we got a lot of time to talk. Maybe you, me, and Rems can have a, a, a listening party. Motley Crue songs. I, I I know this. You have a big announcement coming up Thursday with regards to the coaching staff. You won't break it here, but we can uh, talk to whoever the coach is on that day. This is this is our new Doctor Feelgood. That would be Al Miller, the general manager uh, of the Regina Pats. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, ballsy thanks, and uh, look forward to that uh, relationship, that listening party, and uh, uh, look forward to connecting. Thank you very much. Take care. That's Al Miller. Uh, sounds like he's going to be a treat to talk to quite regularly. We'll have Brian Raymond and Al's friend Kelly Rampel from the Canada Cup U18 football tournament in Edmonton joining us next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back. It was a great chat with Al Miller. He will uh, be on our podcast later. We'll get to Kelly Rample in a second. Let's head out to Flowing Springs and say hi to our friend Brian Raymond. Hi, Brian. How, how are you, Michael? Good. I'm inside a little broom closet here. What's the weather like out there? Um, it's a little breezy, and, but it's, and it's a little overcast, but it's fine. It's okay. not too bad. Comfort, comfortable temperatures. Good. Okay, so give us some of the deals out here for golfing as we're into a high time here. Great golfing weather. Absolutely. And uh, we got a great deal on Mondays and Wednesdays, of course, tomorrow being Wednesday. Ladies and seniors, $32 to come out and play the golf course. If you're not a lady or a senior, we still have a great deal at $42. And, of course, every day of the week after 3 o'clock, it's $35 to come out and play. And after 6 o'clock, our famous $19 only to walk the golf course. And you can get an early morning tee time on Saturday before the Rough Rider game if you're coming into town. I think it's a 5 o'clock kickoff. Why don't you get the Flowing Springs in the morning? Absolutely. I was going to mention, you know, some folks come in from out of town. Come out on, come on in early, bring yep. your sticks, play a little round of golf, and then head off to the golf course or uh, to the football game. Yep. But, you know, the other thing, too, is if you don't think you have a lot of time, we do have a nine-hole rate that is in, a, in effect. That's $41. You can come out and play nine holes and go to the game. Hey, it's a great deal. Talk to a lot of people about that, actually. Uh, I, I, I like nine holes. That's my favorite. Like, nine's about in my wheelhouse. Well, for a lot of people who don't play a lot of golf, uh, yeah, it works out really well. Or if you're new to the game, sometimes just playing nine holes is enough to, you know, to, to get you going. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been popular for sure. All right. Once again, how do they uh, uh, get a hold of you, Brian? If you want to make a booking, either tomorrow or any day of the week, uh, up to seven days in advance, actually, uh, give us a call at 306-543-5050, or you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com. This guy's a former NHL scout, also a boxing referee, got a lot of respect for this guy in the world of sports. Quickly, your thoughts on John Paddock stepping down and Al Miller taking over. Well, John's had an unbelievable career, and uh, you know it's good for him. It's uh, it's nice that he's uh, still sort of got got his finger on the pulse, you might say, as an advisor. But uh, Alan Miller has certainly shown that uh, he knows what's going on, and he's uh, set up a pretty good program in Moose Jaw. So you know, it's I think the Pats are going to be in good hands. Thanks for your time, Brian. Take care, bud. You bet. Take care. And with that in mind, the house that Rempel built or helped build out there, that nice rink out there in Moose Jaw, joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Ramps, how are you, bud? Brian Raymond, Al Miller, and Michael Ball, three of my favorite people all listening to within a few minutes of each other. I, I feel like I've died and gone to heaven. <laughs> and we put Kelly Rempel on that. It's the Mount Rushmore of mediocrity. I'm just joking. I just joking. Those other guys are great. You guys are great. I don't know about myself. Hey, quickly before we get to what I wanted to chat with you about, we have about six or so minutes. Uh, you know Al Miller well. What are Pat fans getting in Al Miller? Why should we be pumped to have him here? Well, other than the fact that basically every team that he's had since he joined Hockey Canada has won a gold medal, nothing. <laughs> I no, no I, I tell you what, I, I believe this, and, and I know that there might be some people that, that you know, say, criticize me for saying this, but I, I don't really care. I mean, I'm a, I'm a junior hockey enthusiast, and you know me, Michael. I've mm. been a Moose Jaw Warrior supporter and fan for a number of years. Yep. And uh, Al Miller set the table for Tim Hunter and that Moose Jaw Warrior coaching staff a few years ago. Him and Jason Ruppelinger, who is the current general manager of that team, they set that team up to have what, in my opinion, was the best team in the Western Hockey League. And I think that 
without getting into it, Michael, they, they should have done a lot better than they did. Um, Al's one of those guys, I'll tell you this right now, he has a plan. He's going to stick to his plan, a lot like John Paddock. Um, mm-hmm. they, they circle a, a year on their calendar and they say, look, here's what we're building towards. We're building towards this year. We're, gonna, we're going to sell assets when we need to sell assets. We're going to buy assets when we're going to need to buy them. Uh, he's a patient guy, but not so patient that he won't make tough choices and tough decisions. And when I spoke to Al on the weekend, and yes, I did speak to him on the weekend, he said, I didn't want you to pass out when you heard the news that I'm going to be joining the Regina Pats. Um, I've had to keep that one under my hat here for a couple of days, but you know, I appreciated him kind of letting me know that. Um, but the bottom line is, is the Regina Pats have a winner. They have a guy that knows how to win, but they're losing a guy that knows how to win. John Paddock did a great job with that organization, Michael. Yep. And he would not be an easy person to replace. And 99 out of 100 times, I would say, there's no way that you can replace John Paddock with an equal. It's just not likely going to happen. But this is one of those rare circumstances where I actually believe that the Pats did. Good news. Good news is good news. Good news as Roscoe P. Coltrane used to say on the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, anyway, hey, uh, uh, so how's that team looking? U18 team, Canada Cup. Your son Spencer playing a dynamic defensive back who's really worked hard. How's the team looking here? Uh, U16 team one. These guys are going for like a four peat. Well, you know what? I, we could have a whole show and talk about the culture of football Saskatchewan and the great job that Mike Thomas and so many others do with that program. Um, you know, I can tell you this. Um, th- this team this year is extremely talented. The guys at their skilled positions, uh, you know, they have a, a tremendous quarterback led by Carter Casey, who's out of Saskatoon. Um you know, they've got very, very good players at the receiver and running back position. Uh, a little bit of a smaller offensive line than some of the other teams, but I would argue more athletic. And then on the defensive side of the ball, a defense led by Jacob Goldstone from Regina, who's the middle linebacker that kind of anchors. He's kind of the rock of that defense. Uh, the front seven, very, very, very good. Uh, should get lots of pressure uh, on a quarterback, um, do a great job with run gap and the stop you know, the, the stopping of the run game and, and that run defense is really good. A very young secondary, which my son is part of, but very, again, athletic. Um, I'll tell you what, though, Michael, it, it, like, it's it's a little bit like, I'll, let's, and I know you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, at the World Junior Hockey Championships, we complain sometimes because that Canada-Latvia games, it tends to be, you know, a bit of a snooze fest or a 14-2 type. Yep. That's that's what the, the first kind of round of the Canada Cup tends to be like. I hate to say things like that, but the Nova Scotias and the New Brunswick's, they're just, there's no other way to say it. They're not even close to being at the same level as some of these other elite teams. But now that we got, you know, Saskatchewan versus Ontario tomorrow, a one versus four, and Alberta versus Quebec, a two versus three, all good teams. The top four teams at this event could all win, and it's going to be great and phenomenal football starting tomorrow. That's awesome, man. Is that Foot Field? Is that where they're playing it? They're playing Foot Field for the first and second games and the final uh, day where hopefully Saskatchewan's in that gold medal game against either Quebec or Alberta. 
Michael, you'll you'll love this Commonwealth Stadium, baby. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's going to be great, man. Hope. Uh, well, uh, it'd be nice if Saskatchewan met Alberta and then beat yeah. Al- beat Alberta and kept the losing skid going there. Well, and and how about this? How about this? So you're a Ryder fan, right? You're sitting here driving home, or you're at you know you're having a cold beverage on your deck, and you're thinking, well, what am I going to do after? Yeah. The Stampeders Rough Riders game on Saturday. Well, go to Football Canada website and watch live. I will. Right? I will. What's I your mean, Hey, what's your son's number? What's your son's number? My son Spencer Rempel, number 17, yellow Campbell collegiate helmet. He'll be the guy flying around out there making all the tackles, ballsy. That's right. And awfully just like myself. That's right. That's right. He'll be making all the tackles or he'll be walking home. <laughs> my my son has more athleticism in his left pinky than I do. So oh, that's awesome, man. He's worked. I mean, that great great football night for Saskatchewan. Hopefully, we're in that final game. But watch the Riders beat the Stamps, and then go to the Football Canada website. Whether we're playing Alberta or um, Quebec, mm-hmm. uh, you'll probably be able to pick it up in the in the second quarter and watch. Uh, Watch us win the gold medal. Hopefully, we got to get there first, though, Ballsy. Our ju- our our amateur football guy and our junior hockey expert Kelly Rempel. You see, we got it all covered. We're like ESPN, only we're not. Ah, uh, never mind. Anyway, this is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. You're laughing. I tell you what, kids are so stupid. Uh, this is Michael Ball back here along with my buddy Sean Kleisinger. Show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery. It's the main fundraiser for over twelve thousand sport, culture, and recreation groups. Steph Curry just recently, like within the last couple of years, got contacts. He had played without contacts, right? Yeah. And he was sinking those 40-foot shots. Well, my son has glasses. He's, I gave him bad genes. Like, parents give their kids bad genes, generally. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Like, listen, not to get into your kitchen, but you have multiple sclerosis. But you're a one- I got the sclerosis. No, but you're one-off, right? Like, that didn't run in your family. Not so that let's, I know of. So let's hope, let's knock on wood, that skips over your offspring, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and you're doing a great job. You're a machine. Uh, I love you. Stay healthy, okay? Okay. All right. But I gave my son bad eyes. Well, my son is playing Division One football, and he told me, I said, so Ethan, can you, like, how can you see? He goes, well, I can see it's blurry, but like if the, if the coach held up a bolt, like he's signaling in from the sidelines, I can't see. You're an idiot. <laughs> We're spending all this money to send you to college because you want to chase school and a football dream. So I took him to the optometrist, and now he's going to get contact. He's coming back again in a couple weeks, get contacts. Imagine playing football. I used to wear the old Eric Dickerson Rex Yeah, specs. you did, baby. Yeah. and so sexy. Did yeah. you go to Dr. Hebert, by the way, optometrist? I think I did. Did you really? Yeah. Dr. Hebert? He was a, he's my he's a friend of mine. Anyway, so check this out. Big shout out. So check this out. My, and so my son yesterday on a dare in college cuts his beard to the handlebars. Like he looks like he's a Tennessee truck driver. And now he says he's going to go with a mullet and dye it like Hulk Hogan, like the handlebars. I was just going to say it's a Hulk Hogan mustache. So he's going to go looking like, I don't even want to be associated with that guy. No, I I do. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's my type of guy right there. He's your type of guy right there. Okay, so the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have, wow, 
I wait, actually, before we get to that, tee this up for me because I'm not a big MMA guy. People younger than me, like you, would be pumped about this. Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou mm. are going to fight. Now, Ngannou's a guy that was the UFC guy, right? Yeah, he was a former UFC heavyweight champ. Huge mammoth of a man. He is going to be boxing Tyson Fury. The Gypsy King, I think, yeah. is his nickname. And he's yeah. going to... Fury's going to knock him out. In a boxing match, I don't think it's even going to be close. But with that said, all it takes is one one of these right here in boxing. And now, the other famous one was uh, McGregor against... Uh, a money May, uh, Mayweather, right? Mayweather, Mayweather. Yeah. So I don't know when this. When is this happening here? In October, I think October twenty eighth or something. Uh, I'm probably going to end up watching. Yeah, it, you but, will because you come to my house. We'll but, have it. But I just don't. I just don't see it being very competitive. But when it's, when these two guys just like go toe to toe in a boxing match. Francis Ngannou, he can't match up against the fast hands of the Gypsy King Tyson ooh, Fury. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Weird. Give it, give it like two rounds. Do that again. Do that again. Hey guys, we uh, had to do some cutbacks around here. We got rid of our sound effects budget. <laughs> okay, speaking bad. of sound effects, no, it's good. Let's go to practice today. Coach Craig Dickinson, who joins us every Monday. Then he said, "You know what? I guess I'll meet with the other reporters if I have to." But we were there too with Blaine Wyland. Uh, he's got a little bit of a hamstring. We're trying to take it easy with him. We think he's going to be able to play though. Okay. The same thing that happened last week was it? It's been it's been uh, kind of an um, I wouldn't say it's a new injury, Daryl. It's just something that's been bothering him, and he he knows he can play with it. But we're we're trying to um, limit his reps. Okay. So Campbell Ferris insurance or is Campbell? He be ready to well, play? yeah, Campbell and uh, our global Kari Vedvik. We we feel like both can play, but we needed to we needed to bring another one in and just look at him. So that's why Campbell's here, and so far he's looked good. You know what's one of those years injury-wise when the kicker gets hurt? Yeah, it's been it's been a tough year so far for us, but we're quite optimistic that that most of the guys that weren't out here today will be out here day two or day three, um, and it's just it's just another year in football. It's just it's a rough game, and there's a lot of a lot of wear and tear, and I think everybody at some point in the year uh, feels feels the injury bug a little bit. With all the injuries and some gutsy wins, I mean, what's it say about your team? I think resilient. I think we're a resilient bunch. And I do think the next man up mentality that we've been trying to to preach is, has taken taken hold a little bit. And we expect everybody to be ready to go. So I think I think it's it's reinforced some of the things the coaches have been saying about we need to all work hard and your time is coming. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and I think I think that's what's uh, allowing us to, to win some close games. What do you think winning these tight games is teaching your team? Well, I know that we know we, know we have to play better, um, but we do feel like uh, when the chips are down, when we have to have a play, that we're able to do it. So I think it's given us some confidence, but it's a veteran group, so I, I don't feel like we're overconfident by any means. I think they know we've got to get better, and, and if you make them all close, eventually you're going to lose one. So we need to play better and try to, try to uh, win by more than one or two. Does it feel like you're, in some cases, you're playing down or up to your competition? No, because it's so early. I, I just think everybody wants to say who's good and who's bad uh, as fast as they can so they can be the first one to say, I told you so. But everybody's kind of the same. I know Edmonton hasn't won a game, but they're going to win some. And the teams that are winning a bunch of games, they're going to go through a slide. And by the end of the year, it'll be like this again. So 
We're just trying to play to our standard, to answer your question, and our standard is high, and we haven't hit it yet, and I don't know if we ever will, but that's the standard we try to play to. How did it feel to get the first home win in a while? Felt good, yeah. Felt good, and it felt good to do it in front, front of our fans and give them something to cheer about on the way out. This time last year after four games, there were 50 penalties. This year, 20. Was the message sunk in? I think, yeah. That you were I think so, and it's helped us. Um, we'll continue to, to beat that drum. I, I said that in the offseason. That's my personal quest this year is to get us to play clean and to still be a very physical team. And so far, I think we've been able to accomplish it, but it's one of those things, Rob, where we we got to stay on it every day, and we'll, we'll just keep working. When you look at it, do you think, okay, 20 is an improvement over 50, or is 20, 20 more than you'd like at this stage? 20 is an improvement, but I, I didn't even know about last year's number. We can still do better. So that's the point I'm going to make to the guys. We we had four last game. Two of them were preventable. We, we need to make sure when we can prevent them that we do. Do you, do you recall Trevor in the early days of his CFL career uh, going up against him? He started 100 games now. So yeah, I do. I do remember when he played for Ottawa. I thought he was a tough out. Uh, I remember in Edmonton, I always felt like he did a great job. He's a good good football player. And uh seems like every team he's on is, is competitive, even if he doesn't have great talent around him. Um, he's a good football player. I'm happy to hear he, he's got 100 under his belt. Seemed like Thursday was either the best game or the worst game in terms of watching the film back. What do you think? Was it the better case or the worst? Game? You know, it was a little bit of both. Uh, it's a good question because when you watch the film, sometimes you're down on your team, and after watching the film, you realize, ah, we weren't quite as bad as I thought. And I think that was the case on the on the Edmonton game. Watched the film, saw there were some some things we could improve on and and make it a better game for us and execute better on offense. But I thought Edmonton played well. And like I said, every everybody's. Everybody's competitive, and it's there's no easy games. On the offensive side, what are you guys going to do to finish off more drives consistently? We got to limit turnovers. We had two, and uh, and we got to be able to uh, make the play when we need to. I think the important thing is being productive on first down, and uh, and getting into second and manageable. But part of the problem was you look at the time of possession. We didn't have the ball. I think we had it like. 15 minutes less than Edmonton. So we got to stay on the field and to do that, the defense needs to help us and then the offense, when they do get on the field, they need to put drives together. You said previously that uh, it, it's nice kind of, you know, playing a team twice so early on in the season, less maybe film work and stuff like that. What can you take from the, your first outing against Calgary and try and replicate that? Well, it was our, our best game of the year on the offense. I thought we played really well. So we want to try to build off of that. And then we want to try to anticipate what Calgary's going to do to move the football on us. So um, I think I know my brother well. He's going to do some some different stuff this week. So we'll have to think about what they did the first game and what the spinoffs are in terms of uh, plays they might may run in the second game. That's Coach Craig Dickinson joining us with their own Blaine Wyland and the uh, myriad of reporters after practice. The interview started talking about Brett Lothar. Looks like Brett Lothar won't play. Campbell Fair, the guy they signed from Ottawa, the, the Ottawa GG kicker, who was with Calgary in training camp, sixth round pick, he will be kicking for the Rough Riders. So interesting. Yeah, kind of be cool if he ended the if he won the game for the Riders against the Stamps and they drafted him. We yeah, we all want Lother to play, but a piece of me kind of wants to see you know a different kicker go out there. Well, and see I, what I'm all do. about I'm in Brett Lother's camp, but uh, if he's not 100 percent healthy, maybe that's been part of his problem this year. Let's let him rest. He'll want to rest up for that Halifax game. Yeah, maybe that's what they... Could you imagine that, though? Campbell Fair comes on, game-winning field goal against the team that brought him into the league for the win. Buries him. And then he absolutely 
dabs on their side. Runs in a pill place like Lothar drinks yeah. some beer Come like Stone on. Cold Steve Austin. Yes, sir. Because Camel Fair said so. Fair 316. Fair. Th- Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Oh, we do this off and on. It's you ask, we answer. So I got some. Um, Texts and some tweets. You can uh, get a hold of us at 936-6262. It's our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. You can call that number locally or one 866 The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups doing a great job in our communities. Um, Scott Ballsy just wanted to say thanks to John Paddock for his nine years here. How do you think the Pats will do under Al Miller? As Kelly Rempel said, all he ever does is win. It set up a nice moose job program. The teams he was in charge of at Hockey Canada won golds on the international stage. So I think we're in good hands with Al Miller. And he loves some great 80s rock and roll like me. So... Can't go wrong with him. Can I sing it one more time? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Oh, oh, What song is that you're singing? That's uh, Kickstart My Heart yeah, by right. Motley, Motley Crue. Crue. Kickstart My Heart, but never stop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Denise, faithful uh, Sports Cage listener here, Ballsy, you pick Padres versus the Jays in the World Series. Are you sticking with that? Nope. Padres will <laughs> you not. can't switch. No, I'm not. I mean, it's like a stock. You can't keep it. If, if a stock is failing, do you keep it or do you dump it? The Padres might make the playoffs, but they're not going to be in the World Series. And the Blue Jays don't have the pitching or the yeah. consistency to be in the World Series. Your World Series will be the Atlanta Braves against the Houston Astros. That's what I believe. Interesting. Braves huh? have won 20 of their last 22. Yeah, they're a pretty good team. They're a great team. I know those teams generally don't win it, but you know what I mean? If they're good in the regular season. Yeah. Um, we got this from Marnie. What do you got? What do you think that it's going to In the be? World Series? Yeah. Uh, I w- you kind of stole my thunder on the Braves. I was picking the Braves uh, to go to the That's World Series. That's always your second favorite team, though. Yeah, and in the American League, it's kind of a toss-up. I don't know. I think... I think a team like the Baltimore Orioles mm. or Tampa Bay Rays can mm. get there this year. So that's my 1A, 1B. My Twitter war from the Cheating. weekend is the next one. Uh, Baltimore's neat. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a team like, they're kind of like the Buffalo Sabres. Who cheers? I don't know any Oriole fans. I, I know well, very, they got, they got very, yucky unis. I know a very <laughs> small amount of, um, of uh, Buffalo Sabre fans, kind of like you know, Carolina Panthers, those type of teams. Uh, okay, so Marnie goes, quite the Twitter war you have going with Simone Lawrence. Can you give us the backstory? So, not really a Twitter war anymore. I kind of backed away from it. So, on the weekend, Tiger Cat, Blue Bomber, Ottawa, basically, if you're not a Ryder fan, you hate the Riders, and they, um, they were attacking... Garrett Marino for Jeremiah Masoli going down with his unfortunate left leg Achilles heel injury, right? Forgetting the bozos that it was the right leg that Garrett Marino took out last year for which he was suspended and then subsequently canceled after an inadvertent hit. And it was an inadvertent hit on Zach Kalaros in the Labor Day game. The commissioner just happened to be here. And I think the riders were kind of pressured into by somebody to getting rid of him. Anyway, 
I went on with some of these Ticat fans, one in particular, and I say, look it, your guy, Simone Lawrence and Chris Edwards. Simone Lawrence tried to not just end the career, but almost the life of Zach Kalaros when he was the Ryder quarterback, knowing he had concussion histories because they were teammates in Hamilton. That's what kind of guy this guy is, okay? Chris Edwards, you saw what he did to Austin Mack this year. That wasn't that egregious in terms of injury. It was a pillow fight, (laughs) but he did punch out a fan. Yeah, that wasn't a pillow three, fight. Three. He hopped in the concourse yeah, for yeah, crying yeah. out loud. Punched out a fan. So you got these two guys in your team, but you're gonna you're gonna try to cancel a guy who's already been canceled. So I was getting into it, and then Simone Lawrence jumped in, and Simone Lawrence basically said he basically referred to the fact that my kid was dirty at UND as a football player. And I said, I've told you this before, Simone, because he did it again. Said, just keep my kid's name out of your mouth. Okay, the dude is just trying to get under your skin. Well, I know, skin. I know, I know, I know, I know. And then, of course, if I wanted to cancel him, I actually could cancel him because he did make a derogatory sexual comment about me. Hmm. Right? Yeah, oh yeah, he did. He used the word glizzy, and if you want to look it up, look it up yourself. And I listen. I'm not that way. I've always preached against cancel culture, i.e., Garrett Marino. So I'm not going to do that. But this, because what happened was, is one of the so-called Ryder fans says to Simone Lawrence, oh, Simone goes right for the jugular, and he had the laughing emoji. And I, I texted the guy, I DM'd the Ryder fan, I said, so what's so funny about uh, a dirty football player mouthing off a college kid when he doesn't even know the college kid? And then that guy sent the message to Simone, and he po- posted it. So that's why there was the big thing. But I'm not doing, I'm done. I'm done, I addressed it there. Thanks for the for the text, Marnie, or the uh, the tweet. And now it's been addressed, and I'm backing away from it. Because I can tell you this right now, I will be in this league longer than Simone Lawrence will be in this league. No more Simone. No. No anyway, more Simone. No more Simone. Hey, you know who did well yesterday or last week? Uh, Logan Bandy stepping in for Peter Godber, and it looks like he may be called upon again this week with God's, uh, Godber's hands, or hand very much in question. All right, I'm joined with Logan Bandy. And Logan, just uh, first off, I want to get your thoughts about uh, last week's game against Edmonton and, the, and your, th- your thoughts about the offensive line's performance in that game. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a bit of an ugly game on offense for, uh, for us as a unit. Um, but the biggest thing is when we needed to drive the ball and win the game, we got it done. So um, it felt good to, to get out of there with a win. And uh, we know it could have been a lot better in, in a lot of aspects. But, you know, as a group, you, you only really care about winning the game when you look back. So uh, it's good to get that experience and that adversi- adversity early and, and get that out of the way. How big is it important for you to get a whole week of practice, especially when you're moving in at the center? As you, last week, you replaced Godbert behind the center. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, you, you need to learn all the fronts and, and kind of come up with the game plan for the week. So you got to prepare and get ready to gluck gluck. So um, it's going to be uh, it's a long process to prepare and to have a full week. It's super important. And I guess uh, compare that to the adjustments you had to make against the last time you guys get, played against Calgary, where you had to jump in a guard. How, talk about that adjustment you had to make uh, going in the middle of the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of said it uh, last week. It's it's almost harder to go into a game uh, halfway through than it is to start, just because you don't know you don't know where you're going to go, you don't know when you're going to go. It's kind of just staying loose on the sideline. It's pretty tough to do. So, um, if anything, it's a little bit easier to go in as a starter. Uh, know know the game plan. You know it inside and out. So. Obviously, the big difference between center and guard is hiding the ball. But is there any other big differences? Yeah, I mean, the center is the quarterback of the, the O-line. You make all the calls and all the decisions. You've you got to be able to see the defense. Uh, versus a guard, obviously, you're giving um, communication and stuff like that, but you're not making those calls. So it's a little bit different. Uh, you got to be really locked in at center, and that's, that's kind of the big, big thing to know. 
just talk about yourself and the confidence this year. How big, how much of adjustment and how much more confidence you have this year as compared to last year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the game slowed down a lot for me. Um, you know, those first couple games where I started at center last year, it was it was like a whirlwind. And, and this year, even just getting thrown into guard, it I, I felt like I didn't blink. It felt, you know, slow. It felt the same. So um, it's just good to have that pre uh, previous experience and, and get ready to gluck gluck whenever. And how much did the offseason this past year help you for this year? Yeah, I had a great offseason. Uh, trained with a bunch of guys out in Calgary. Um, some of them are starting other places in the league, uh, doing really well. So it was good to have that uh, that great group and, and train together. And can you talk about the chemistry that's been formed with, in the, with the offensive line uh, throughout this year? Yeah, we have a super tight unit. I mean, um, I always think that the O-line has the tightest unit on, on whatever team, um, and this case is no different. So uh, we always hang out together. It's, you know, you spend every single minute, every single day with the guys. So a uh, really good unit and, and really happy to be here. And how big is it to have the guards? Uh, they're flip-flopping this year, but to have Furlan and Johnson in every week that you guys have had this year. Yeah, they're really good. They give me lots of information. They're, uh, they're ready to gluck-gluck and, and, and give me information whenever I need it. So um, it's, it's good to see that they have uh, that insight. They have a lot of games played between the two of them, so they provide me with a lot of uh, help when I need it. Is it a challenge when you're facing Calgary in this quick of spans you guys are within the, within a few weeks? Yeah, I mean, whenever you play a team uh, several times, it, it can be pretty difficult to prepare. Um, so again, you just got to be ready to gluck gluck and you got to get uh, down to business and, and just uh, prepare, you know, as a unit and get that full week of practice in and you'll be good to go. And has it helped it too that you guys got another full set, full week of practice ahead of you guys for for this game in Calgary against Calgary? Sorry. Yeah, no, it's huge. Uh, the full week is is really important to get the three full practices in, and and we had a couple extra days, like we had uh, a little bit of extra preparation in, just some extra film. So it's good to get ready, and, and we feel pretty good about this one at home. And in terms of the offense, you know, it seems like you guys are doing a great job moving down the field, just finishing off. What do you yeah. think? Is there anything you guys think you need to do more to, in terms of finishing off those drives? Yeah, we just gotta we just gotta be able to finish. I mean, it's just it's it really comes down to execution. Um, we we're able to drive the ball, and we've shown that. It's just you know in those dire moments, we we need to be able to execute. And we saw that at the end of the game against Edmonton, and we we should have saw it throughout the game. So uh, it's just about execution and and playing together. All right, thanks a lot, Logan. Yeah, thank you so much, Logan Bandy with our Blaine Wyland. Okay, we got this text from uh, Shane Volman. Ballsy simping for that dirty player again and again and again. LOL. Let it go. He's dirty. He's gone for that reason. Listen, I he's a repeat offender. My point is people were canceling him for an injury that he didn't create, saying that it's Garrett Marino's fault that Jeremiah Masoli wrecked his left Achilles. That's like Darian Durant hurt his elbow and then hurt his Achilles the next uh the next year. That I have something to do with it? Give me a break. And I don't like the pick and choose. We're going to cancel this guy, but we'll let two of uh, two dirty players, one that fights a fan and one guy that's a repeat offender, just keep playing. Nobody talks about it. Jake Ceresna goes into the knee of Ty, uh, Tyree Adams. Nobody talks about it. That's what I'm talking about, Shane. So beat it. That's the sports cage. Hour number, what is it, half of the last hour of the show. We'll be back with Glenn Suter in a moment. Sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors. The garage door specialists. Not much happening across the world of sports tonight, but we do have the Major League Baseball All-Star Game set to start in under a half hour from now. The American League taking on the National League. And uh, it's taking place at T-Mobile Park in Seattle, Washington.
Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox report on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. It's overcast out there. Uh, don't know if the weather will play a factor, but tonight it's country music night in the lead up to the uh, Craven Country Thunder, and it's the Regina Red Sox against the Weyburn Beavers. They're 17 and 19 coming into this game. I don't know if you've checked your Doppler there, but uh, what's the weather looking like? The weather's not looking good as it sits right now. It says that the rain is supposed to roll through the Queen City at around 6.30 p.m. tonight, so my guess is if this game doesn't happen tonight, the Red Sox are scheduled to play in Weyburn tomorrow. Mm. I'm guessing that they will have a doubleheader tomorrow, but Regina will be the home team tomorrow but the downside of that the Red Sox lose out on a lot of revenue so don't quote me on it that's just Zinger spitballing we'll find out the weather gods are uncontrollable Uh, this uh, Regina Red Sox report a presentation of our friends over there at Canadian Brewhouse go check out their great menu they got a dollar off the tankards and other good drink specials and great drinks to have and all the sports under one roof like Major League Baseball and the All-Star Game tonight and the CFL week week number six that kicks off Thursday Edmonton against Hamilton. Saskatchewan gets in second row. They've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation to press coverage and it's brought to you by our great friends over there at the uh, company that we love to call McDougal Auctioneers and at McDougal Auctioneers you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience McDougalAuction.com Hall of Fame broadcaster Ryder Plaza of Honor inductee Glenn Suter joining us Suits I see coming across the wire the uh, USFL's New Orleans Breakers have released McLeod Bethel Thompson, which leads you to believe that maybe there's something brewing in terms of return to the CFL. Possibly. I think it's a long shot. You know, I think McLeod is still holding out uh, some hope that maybe he could sign an NFL contract. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure with his age how realistic that is, but I, you know, I think that would be his, his first choice right now. And uh, we'll see. But it, I, I guarantee you there'll be a couple of teams that would reach out and see where the interest is. Yeah. I got a text actually from Dev, and he said, hey, loved your interview balls with Nathan Rourke last week. Do you think he makes the Jags? Because you said when he first signed, you'd think he'd get screwed. But that was before the league changed the rules and added a third quarterback to the roster. I think he does have a legitimate shot to stick around, Glenn. Yeah, I do. I, I You know, he's... I hear he's uh, you know getting some reps. So that's that's the most important part. I mean, if he if he gets reps in practice and he actually gets a true look, which you know just it's it's really quite remarkable that great players don't get a true look in the NFL sometimes because they just weren't top draft picks by their scouting staff or they didn't come from a Div One school or they did, you know there's a lot of ifs there and politics there to be quite honest and. Uh, you know, if he gets real reps and gets a real opportunity to show what he can do, they will still probably politically keep him down in the depth chart because they'll they'll think to themselves. And, and I'm only saying this because I've seen it. I've seen it happen so many times in real time over the last 20 years. 
where an American coach just says, well, he's from Canada. So, I mean, there was a coach that said Ricky Ray was from Canada, and we were when he was with the Jets, and said we're one hit away from the Canadian plane. Herm Edwards. Ricky Ray's not a – yeah, he's not a Canadian. <laughs> yeah, he's Sacramento State uh, uh, college quarterback, absolutely. Hey, got this from Ben Garrow, buddy of mine who listens to the show and runs Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and PA. Hey, guys, do you think CFL teams are looking or talking to the top XFL slash USFL quarterbacks? Uh, Ottawa signed a couple of quarterbacks. One was cut in training camp with Winnipeg. That, of course, was uh, Pilg- uh, Pigram. Uh, it just seems the league is signing uh, retreads and never worse. I just see a big drop-off from the days of Dunnigan. Allen, Garcia, Dickinson, Flutie. The top three XFL guys signing with NFL teams. Maybe we really need to start looking at developing our own U-sports guys. What do you think about that, Glenn? Well, U-sports for sure. I, I love that idea. And I think that for a long time, you know, whether it be Rush End and look at Matthew Betts now, that had to change over time and evolve where... Brent Johnson got that job in BC and, and then he led the league in sacks and every coach, every American coach in the league went, Oh, Oh, I guess a Canadian can play rush end. And all of a sudden he did, you know, Andrew Harris and John Cornish and those guys playing tailback and then leading the league rushing. And then now all of a sudden people are saying, you know what? A Canadian could be a tailback, you know? So we, we, it's the slowest process to get to the quarterback position, obviously, um, it's tough on coaches in some ways because it's a result-driven business and the quarterback is so important. They're always afraid to, you know, maybe think outside the box and look at Trey Ford out of Waterloo instead of Oklahoma. You know, and that's, that's just something that I think will continue to slowly creep along. But I, it's getting better, and Nathan Rourke has, has been a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So. I like the U Sports thought, uh, Michael. And, and as far as the XFL and the USFL and all of that, here's the, here's the bottom line there. As far as American quarterbacks, they are looking everywhere. So if, if they think that a, an American quarterback playing at the USFL or playing in college or playing in Div 3 or whatever is a good fit for Canadian football, then Canadian coaches and scouts will take a look at them. Okay, Glenn, I'd like to get your opinion on this. Uh, Answer it however you want. Riders gave up 77 sacks last year. The Montreal Alouettes, who everybody talked about having a great offensive line, are on pace to give up 99. There's a common denominator, Cody Fajardo. Now, um, I, I... I don't just eat sunflower seeds and blindly stare at the screen. When I watch the broadcast, I listen intent, intently, okay? Uh, I look to pick up on what you say, how you say it, same with Nielsen, same with the panelists. And I can't remember if it was during the broadcast or on the panel. They said Cody Fajardo said this is the first time in his career where an offense has been designed around him. And I'm like, What? He was the he was the main quarterback in 2021 and 2022 with the same guy who's coaching him now. I call rubbish on that. Well, I'm not sure about the comment. I'm not sure where that came from or who said it. Um, but I, I do know this when it comes to the sacks, and I mentioned this in the telecast. Um, you know, there are times, and and I, you know, we're looking for it now, right? Because he took so many sacks last year. And it wasn't all on the O-line. And we, we talked about that at length, that it's not always on the O-line. 
Sometimes it's a back that missed a block. Sometimes it's Cody not getting rid of the ball and not making the right read. And so when you when you really analyze it now, because it happened last year, you're looking for why. You're looking for every time he gets sacked now, we're going, what happened? Why does this keep happening? And I made the comment in the game, and I, and I stand by it, is that I think sometimes he drops two steps too far for the protection. So, you know, when the quarterback drops back, even on a shotgun, he'll drop back three or four steps. If it's four steps, his tackles are now running the defensive ends right to him. That's like they're, they're going right to the spot where he's standing. If he only dropped back three steps and not four, he's in the protection of the pocket and the tackles get to run those defensive ends past Cody. So, you know, the, I think there are some technique things that he and Jason Mosk and Anthony Calvillo can work on. I, I still believe, though, just looking at the athlete and looking at how he runs the ball, mm-hmm. that the, RP, the RPO game should be his bread and butter. And I, I'm not sure why Jason Mosk, uh, and I guess in conjunction with Calvillo now, um, are, are just, you know, they they do it, but they don't make it their their you know identity and i think it should be their identity it's just an opinion but um you know from watching him for these years i will say this in fairness to cody uh it's not all on him you're right and he is moving like he did in 2019 with no brace looking good and he's throwing a better deep ball i'll give him that like he has he is throwing a better deep ball so he, he has gotten better in some aspects of his game, but, man, is he taking a pounding. I don't think you can ever question his toughness, though. He's a tough dude. There's no doubt about that. Uh, He's getting battered around. Okay, so the guy on the other side of the field of that game, Vernon Adams Jr., through six interceptions, and actually they were still in the game till that last pick six against the Argos. So you're wondering to yourself, how's he going to respond? First drive, he throws a pick six to DeCroix. It gets taken off the board in one of the worst PI illegal contact penalties I've ever seen. Like everything is already already against defenses and defensive backs. Give me a break. There's no way that should have been a penalty. I'm utterly shocked Jason Moss didn't cha- didn't challenge that. Yeah, he he should have. He should have because it wasn't a penalty. And uh, I'm not saying it because I've talked to the league because I haven't yet, and I will reach out to them and and have their sort of response. Uh, for the next hit. But I, you know, there's sometimes, Michael, I'm calling a game for TSN and I'm thinking, I'll, I'll love to dive into this in our hit on the cage. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't have time to do it in a telecast. And in the telecast, I am actually trying to, um, you know, basically give the official rule uh, some context try to tell the viewer here's what the rule states and you be the judge as to whether or not this is past interference but i can tell you from watching a thousand games from the booth it's not past interference it wasn't it was a terrible call and if we start going down that road to where we're calling that little bump and and you know brush and wasn't anything then it's it's over you know defenses can't play what well, it'll be Nine, it'll be ninety nothing. I mean, you you can't you can't or ninety eighty. You you can't play defense without a little bit of contact. Well, everywhere and, on the field, and that's what makes me mad. Suits. Um, 
I said it on the post-game show after the last game. My phone was blowing up. What a horrible game. This is a terrible game. It's a black eye on the CFL 12-11 game I'm talking about, okay? Um, listen, not every game has to be 20, uh, 36-26 or 46-44. Uh, when a defense holds a team to 11 or 12 points, yeah, sometimes the offense has been... Or is pathetic, but a lot of times it's the defense doing a great job. What's the matter with defensive football? If that was Chicago and Detroit in the NFL, we'd say, that's a real slobber knocker of a game. What an old-fashioned NFC North battle. But here, here it's just a terrible football game. Bush League, guys have no talent. I say, garbage. Yeah, I do too, and I, I've been saying it for a lot of years, as you know. Uh, you know, And I, I'll always ask the fan that says that, you know, are you a hockey fan as well? Uh, and the goalies stand on their head, and it's a one nothing game. Um, are you are you disappointed with that game? I mean, you know, keep in mind that every time this this push and narrative that we have to eliminate two and outs, you know, and some of this is coming from the league office. Let's be frank, but and the rule changes. But if you if you think about it in a game, half of the audience wants a two and out. They want a defensive stop. If you look at that game and you look at Nick Marshall's play, you, you, that's worth the price of admission. That's that's a top athlete making key plays when the game's on the line. I mean, you know, defense is allowed to win, and when they have, we, you know, we I've heard nothing but the great Baltimore defenses when they won the Super Bowl and how the defense is how you win and it's fantastic football. And all of a sudden, with our game. You know, a one nothing hockey game is great and fine, but a low-scoring CFL game is garbage and the league's bad. So, you know, I again, this this constant, um, you know, bashing, and and not just that, but but bringing the entire league down because of um, you know one play or one game that it's now the league is an issue. No, the league isn't an issue. Like for instance, C.J. Sims. Makes a bad decision. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on okay. to that. We're going to go to break because I got a couple of texts. One of them relates to that. One, another one just came in. So just hold on. I, I wanted to give you your time, but we're going to, we're late for a break. Yeah. You're listening to press coverage for our friends at uh, Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. This day in sports history brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Let's go back to July 11th, 1984. Gary Carter of the Montreal Expos awarded the MVP of the All-Star Game for the second time. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the Sports Cage press coverage for Quality Tire. Nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. Okay, Glenn, a lot of controversy uh, as the Riders win 12-11 on the long kickoff by Brett Lothar. He may have hurt himself because he's probably not going to play this week with a hammy injury. But uh, it was a valuable point. The Rough Riders win. It makes the it makes the league great. You always have to do something with the football. I don't want to see the Rouge changed at all. People are like, well, for field goals and certain length, it should be no, no, no. I, I've thought about no. this. No, keep it the way that it is. It re, it adds more strategy and it rewards you for the position battle on the field. Yeah, I, we we have to just get off the hamster wheel about changing the rules of the game. 
Uh, we, we just have to just stop it. I mean, really, it, it's, it's, it drives me crazy, and it's coming from people with authority, you know, and it just, it, it, the game does not need fixing. It never has. We can always look at player safety issues and rules that you tweak because you want to protect the players a little more and things like that, but the rules do not need to be changed. Just stop it. This is, this is um, another example of how great the game is. We've had over four kick return touchdowns already in the first four weeks of the season. We've had blocked field goals, which never happens in other leagues and rarely happens at all anyway. But we've had that in our game. We've had blocked punts in our game. I mean, pick sixes, it's, it has everything you need for the drama. That was a dramatic finish, the likes of which you will never see on a Netflix movie. You know, because I don't know how many you watch, but I saw maybe one good one in a hundred. Mm-hmm. And 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 that was human drama with a kid who didn't, who you know, who who was in the heat of the moment, knew the rule, and the coaches. What I've what I've learned to understand is that the coaches did remind him of the rule, but in the moment, his eyes got big in the lights, and he had, uh, you know. His he just lost it for a second. He lost his concentration for a second. Listen, Tom Brady forgot what down it was in a key in a key game. You know this this happens, and it doesn't mean the league is bad. I had a colleague of mine tweet out that this looks bad on the league. That's a dumb comment because it doesn't have anything to do with the league. In fact, the league rules is why it became so dramatic in the end, and that one point won the game for them. Yeah, now, that's not the kid's fault. He needs to be coached up better, and, and Chris Jones will, will tell you that. But, uh, no, enough of talking about and changing rules. We don't – the great game is fantastic as it is. Hey, uh, Dale wants to know in Melford, ask Glenn, what is the deal with Mike O'Connor? Where did he go? And I agree, like, Mike O'Connor didn't have earth-shattering numbers, but I think if I remember correctly, he was like 7 of 11 for like 98 yards in the first half with the Riders. He got smoked by Sankey and never came back in the ball game, and we haven't seen nor heard from him since. Do you know what's going on with Mike O'Connor when we talk about quarterbacking shortages? I don't. I'm sort of guessing to think that he went into law enforcement or he's working in training in that area, but I might yeah. be wrong there. I, yeah. I, I I heard a rumor of that, and uh, I, I just think he's moved on from football. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, I got yeah. this from Bill. Bill said, uh, Glenn, what do you think about the Rough Riders' pass rush, i.e. moving Anthony Lanier inside because he was dominant inside and hasn't really had the impact on the outside? Well, if if he's your best edge rusher, then that's where he's got to stay. But if you can have one that's maybe not even as good, but one you can win with that could replace him or rotate him, then it becomes a different discussion. Because, you know, uh, again, you know, you know, Sean Lemon is still looking for work. I'm not suggesting that Saskatchewan should do it, but I'm wondering why other teams haven't too. Yeah, that's a question. Yeah, that's a question I have. This guy still at the top of his game last year, and uh, he got moved out because of the ratio, and then it didn't work out with Kongbo. He went to Hamilton and uh, was only in BC for a week. But yeah, like that's that is a mystery to me why he's still on the market. Yeah, and and you know, so you bring him in for twenty snaps or or fifteen snaps a game. 
but you can move Lanier inside. And, and the good thing about it, to the caller's point, is when Lanier's inside, he is going against the guard. It's a very different, you know, sort of expertise level almost than a, than a left tackle. So you, you, you might get a mismatch there and that, that favors Lanier. So I, I think sometimes that's Micah Johnson is so good inside because he's so quick for an interior D lineman and his hands are so strong and quick that he gives guards some problems. Now, he might not do the same if he's outside and they play him there sometimes, but um, you know what you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he, he, have, a, have a good rotation guy that you don't, there's really no drop-off, mm-hmm. then move Lanier around. I'm all, I would be all for that. Well, Coach Dickens had told us yesterday they haven't put him uh, inside because he's banged up right now and there's more traffic inside, so that's the reason, too. And he did not participate in practice today, one of, I think, 11 guys that didn't. Uh Okay, Suits, you and I were on different sides of the Marino debate, so I don't want to get into that debate. It's over. He's done. He was in the USFL. But fans on Twitter, which is generally a sewer pipe, they were they were trying to cancel him again. And shame on me, I got dragged into it. I'm like, can we not cancel the guy? The injury to Masoli, and I feel bad for the kid, was an Achilles on his left leg when it was the right leg that Marino hit. And th- this pick-and-choose justice, and we're just going to flog this guy even though he's not in the league anymore. I'm sick of it. Yeah, well, that you could we could cross over into society with that. I mean... The, the cancel culture and the say one thing 20 years ago or do something 20 years ago borderline and all of a sudden you're a criminal now is just, uh, you know, it's, it's out of hand. But, uh, that's, that, I digress because that's a, that's a topic for, we'd need a lot of time to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, the, the Marino thing was, you know, I, I felt a mistake at the time, but I'm with you on the fact that he is, that was one play, I mean, Guys make mistakes and guys do things in the heat of battle that they regret later. I'm not sure how Marino feels about it, but it, it's not, it had nothing to do with Mazzoli's Achilles. You know, and I, I think sometimes we as analysts will, you know, we'll be talking about a guy that everybody likes and everybody likes Jeremiah and they feel terrible for him. So they're going, you know, maybe the other injury affected his legs to a point where it got tight and that was why his Achilles went well come on I mean we're none of us are doctors nor researchers that one is probably has nothing to do with the other except for both were really bad luck that he got hurt as bad as he did on the Marino head and then this one and now in the, in the stage of his career that he's in you know who knows we all hope he can rehab and get back but it, he's done for the year Everyone feels bad about it. It had nothing to do with Garrett Marino. Can't wait to talk to you on Thursday because we're going to tee up, which is a really huge game for the Rough Riders and Stampeders. Riders winning for a second straight week. They can win a season series against a West opponent, and Calgary can ill afford to lose a season series and go inexplicably 1-4 and four to start the year. Thanks for your time, Suits. Thanks, Michael. The hairs on my back of my neck just stood up when you talked about that. <laughs> I can't I can't wait, man. It's going to be great. That's Glenn Suter, press coverage for Quality Tire. That'll do it for the show. Ben Wagner joins us tomorrow. Uh, we got a myriad of guests to uh, to talk uh, th- uh, talk about. And we'll talk some NFL, too. Five AFC quarterbacks under the gun to start the year. 
good group of five. Plus, I got to get to the bottom of this. Our, people are asking me, when are we? Where are we going on our sports cage trip? Where are we going? Where are we going? The, pl- the plans are uh, percolating. <laughs> this is the sports cage on six twenty CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.